Welcome everyone to Get Some Color. We've got Big Daddy Dogs, the insurance policy. We've got the Harper Kid Tax Shack here ready for action. <laughs> Guys, welcome to Getting Some Color episode 45. Uh, we're going to be covering King of the Ring 1993, which happened on June 13th. And then we're also talking about Monday Night Raw. June 14th, 1993. Uh, we're having double the, uh, the dosage of WWF. Uh, and I think that's a good thing because you, lately we've been doing WCW Saturday Night and going, eh, that was kind of stretching it for a show. And yeah. now we're having, I would probably say, a, a decent pay-per-view and a, a decent uh, Raw. But before we get into those two shows, uh, we're going to be talking some news a lot of big news happened um, the past couple of weeks, so I'm gonna. A lot let, happened in the past couple of days. Yeah, so I'm gonna let Zach tackle some, and then once he gets to a part where I'm gonna rant, you'll know. <laughs> okay, so like I, the biggest thing I guess I got first off is, uh, starting. I guess it was like over the weekend. There's or there was like this speculation that WWE is trying to get Steve Austin to do a match for WrestleMania. And like, when I first heard that, I was like, no, there's no way he, he keeps saying like, no, I'm done. That ship sailed. Uh, you know, my health's good. My neck doesn't hurt too much. I'm good. Mm. And he seems like pretty adamant about that whole, like, I don't know if I could perform at the level I'd want to. So I'm just like, I'm done, man. But money talks. So I, I respect that. But yeah, maybe, they might be trying to get him a lot of money. And I think they're desperate too, just because we talk about this all the time, but they just haven't been able to make any big stars, like enough of them. I don't know if you follow this YouTuber, RGT 85. He does like a lot of Nintendo stuff and he's a big wrestling fan. No, I don't don't think I've ever heard of that guy. Yeah. So he's a big wrestling fan and he usually does a lot of, he, he does like oddball videos, but mostly his content is Nintendo switch and he came out with a video going, why does wrestling suck this year? Or something along the line of that. And he talks about, like, WWE's, like, every time they're in a hole, they always got to put, like, a legend. Like, they never let any of their own talent, like, grow or at least let them go loose and stuff. Like, always when they need uh, help, you know, look at the Royal Rumble. They They brought back Ronda Rousey, which is... In my opinion, like, if anything, you bring her back as a heel, but they brought her back as a face thinking that everybody would love her, um, which is weird. And then you have the obvious choice because Brock Lesnar is the only one that's stepping up. And then you have, uh, I believe he mentioned it where he talked about the Pat McAfee interview, but Brock Lesnar was talking about, like, how he's walking the halls and nobody's, like, stepping up, like, he wish someone in the locker room would step up and do something and, you know, grab that brass ring, even though it's kind of hard to do in the WWE, but it, it's, it's, very hard. it's so encouraging that Brock Lesnar is saying that because he's never going to be there the whole time. He's a, he's a, he's a part-timer. Um, he's been doing a lot of shows lately, so I will give him that compared to what he used to do. Um, but he, he should, he, Vince should let people like Brock, people like Stone Cold Steve Austin speak their mind and be like, hey, kids, well, they are kids to the older veterans. Do something. Stop getting used to, like, mediocrity and, like, doing, and I'm going to 
poke fun at Austin Creed, even though he's great with his up, up, down, down. But it feels like every time when, you know, they're not grabbing the brass ring and like, well, I guess I'm going to be in catering or I'm going to do fucking FIFA tournaments on fucking up, up, down, down. And it shouldn't be like that. You should always want to be like, I want to put on a good show. I want to make money. I want to, you know, sell my merch and stuff. Uh, and you don't have to win the belt. You don't need to be the champion. It feels like that culture in wrestling now is you, if, if you're gaining some type of traction, you need to be the champion. Look at all the mid carters that we're watching on 1993. Mr. Fucking Perfect. That dude, that dude didn't have any like title runs at all. And he's fucking amazing to watch. It's just like, it, it's insane. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, and then, like, here's a perfect example of that, though, is, like, I mean, Shawn Michaels was technically already a made man, and when he came back and, you know, he won the world title in the Elimination Chamber, mm-hmm. and he had that he had that short run with it. I think it was a few months or something. But, like, after that, he didn't win any more titles, I don't think. He might have won tag titles with Triple H when they were DX. I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all his stuff was always about just the um the angle the storyline of the match that's all it was and that's what he says he's like i I always just wanted to have like really interesting angles and storylines and and push that and see how far i could push that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and like he always was doing something really interesting very rarely was he doing something and it wasn't interesting in some kind of way yeah even if it was ridiculous shit like when Vince McMahon was like it's you and god against me and I hate God or <laughs> some stupid shit like that. But you know what's like funny about those angles? It's like that's when Vince was kind of like, let's do some fun shit. And if it sucks, I'll just roll with it. And then we'll just move on to something better. And during that time, the roster was good enough where anybody could step up. I mean, you had Jericho, you had Shawn Michaels, the Undertaker, Edge, Christian. All the Attitude yeah. Era people were kind of on their way out during that time. Uh, yeah, the younger ones were still there for the most part, and they they still had other guys that did step up, like they had Orton and Batista, and mm-hmm. Cena was there. I think what you will have seen it during that time, but he was fucking there, and a bunch of other guys we could go over. The roster was still strong back then. Yeah, and I thought about it, like kind of coming back to like Stone Cold uh, coming back for Mania and shit. It's like. Who would be his opponent? And, like, they're doing these, like, dry runs of Kevin Owens talking shit about Texas. Which, by the way, it's a good cop-out. I know I explained it on Big Trouble, but uh, it's a good cop-out because there's many wrestlers that can come out of retirement to face Kevin Owens. You could have Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker. Um, that's just naming two of them. And then, obviously, Stone Cold being there. Um, is Terry Funk from fucking Texas? I mean, I know he wouldn't wrestle because of his health, but, like... <laughs> Yeah, Terry Fox from uh, Amarillo, I think. Yeah, so. Um, but in Bradshaw, mm-hmm. uh, like, there's a bunch. But, like, yeah, we were talking about that, like, on Messenger and stuff, too. It's like, who the hell would they even position for, if they wanted Steve Austin to have a match? And that would make sense, and it wouldn't be, like, a waste of his time. Or it wouldn't feel like it anyway, because Kevin Owens definitely doesn't feel like it's worth it. No, and unless they're, oh. like, doing some type of pushing where, like, he's going to rub off of stone cold and get into the main event picture and actually, you know, do something, which is highly unlikely. 
So I just feel like they're probably thinking about Kevin Owens, but like at the same time, I still remember that time when Vince was like, "Yeah, not, not good. You you suck and made it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like when I was saying that stuff, it's not to say that I don't like Kevin Owens. I actually do like him pretty well. It's just that the way he's been pushed has been really inconsistent. It wouldn't be a good he's, match. He's just he just hasn't been positioned in a way where you could believe and get into him fighting Steve Austin. So. The only thing I would actually like is if you're wanting to push an angle where Roman's going to face The Rock eventually, whether that be Mania or whether that be down the road for maybe next Mania, but you could have a thing where Stone Cold comes in and fights Roman and does an angle with The Rock where maybe Stone Cold kind of goes a little too far and like stomps a mud hole in Roman and the rock comes out and then Roman's like, bitch, I don't need your fucking help and do something like that. Which that's the only, that's the only thing I could see where, you know, Roman wins and he's, you know, rubbed off with Stone Cold now. And now the, the only person left to rocket him is the rock. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that could uh, solidify, Roman actually being fucking super strong at this point because he beats the Undertaker, he beats uh, Triple H, he beats fucking Stone Cold. Now he beats The Rock, and that's when he... he's gonna be Goldberg too. Yeah. Um. Spear versus spear. We talked about Orton. That would be a nice match against Stone Cold and Orton. I think people would buy, even though Orton's been kind of mid card lately, it's, he has that cachet. He's been around so long, been a main event guy for so long. Yeah. He just has that. And you could also bring out the legend killer with Randy Orton. where He's like, I didn't kill one legend and that's stone cold. And you could have, you know, that version. Then it's like, you know, the legend killer slash, you know, what is better, the RKO or the stunner? Um, because, Kevin Owens' stunner is fucking garbage. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Becky Lynch does a better stunner. Yeah. <laughs> For real. But can they just fight in a supermarket? Yes. Can, can, can Stone Cold just fight fucking whoever in a supermarket? <laughs> <laughs> they fight in a Canadian supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> With Kevin Owens. Just dump a bunch of maple syrup on him or something. Oh my god! No, gonna, I don't think they need to do that. It's hard to get in Canada right now. I, I would, su- <laughs> I would support Stone Cold coming back to manage someone. Like, I don't know who he would, who he would manage, but it would have to be like a new superstar, or even Austin like Theory. Yeah, it was Austin. His name's Austin. Yeah, and then he could be like, "Why are you hanging out with Vince McMahon?" What? And he's like, he's a dumbass. What? And he's like, you need to hang out with me. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Like, you want to win a champion, son? Children. What? You want the championship around your waist? What? Oh my God. Look at my little beady eyes. Oh, man. But yeah, I, I don't know. This is definitely the WWE playbook when they know they're fucking nose diving and, and viewers and shit and losing people. They're just like, well, look, Austin uh, stone cold is coming back Buy tickets. And apparently I heard there was a tweet going around that they were trying to like do Valentine day, uh, sale tickets. 
because they're having a hard time selling the tickets, and that's why they're thinking about getting, bringing Stone Cold in. Because Stone Cold's going to put butts in seats, which you know you're gonna you're gonna get all the attitude ever fans being like, "Oh my God, he's back!" And then he's like only here for a couple months, <laughs> and then he's gone back to you know. But then again, that could have Stone Cold being like, "Hey." I'm here now. I'm working with the company. I'm going to fucking put fire under your ass. And, and you're going to actually work. And if you want that match on TV, you're going to work for it. And you could put a guy like Stone Cold if he wants to do it. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. This is all just wild speculation right now. I don't even know if I necessarily believe that. Like, really what I could see them doing is... All Kevin Owens talks shit about Texas for like a month, and then like Stone Cold stuns him. Mm-hmm. They have like a segment at WrestleMania, like they did several other times. Yeah, like John Cena and Undertaker when he just like tombstones him and just wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. What else? I guess continuing off WWE news. Uh, Two o five live, the the forgotten show, is now level up. Spelled like LVL up. <laughs> like you're doing acronyms on online gaming and shit. Is Xavier Woods the uh, GM? <laughs> I feel uh, like. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess this is like this. This part was kind of unclear about it, but I guess it's part of NXT and it looks like it's set up in the performance center or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I don't really understand the purpose of it i think it's supposed to be kind of like their version of AEW dark or, or whatever dark and dark evolution whatever it was elevation yeah i don't know why because like i don't i don't like the idea of them doing those shows anyway and not that many many people even watch them here's what i kind of wanted nxt just vanilla to be or what it is now 2.0 like that's where you could open that so-called forbidden door where you'd be like, oh, my God, it's fucking <laughs> uh, Zack Ryder with the, Matt Cardona, the fucking NWA World Heavyweight Championship, by the way. But fucking surprise about that. Uh, <laughs> you have him go through the NXT, NXT forbidden door and you could have like these fucking amazing matches, which... That would be cool for WWE because then they could be like, well, is that person hype enough that we could sign them, right? Um, because you got to th- The big shows right now, not talking about the wrestler, the big shows are WWE and AEW. Those are the ones that are getting national TV. Um, and you have the indies who, you know, they like where they're working, but... You know, you want to get that national level because you want to put out your brand because that's what wrestlers do. They put out their brands. So having something like NXT or or even use Level Up or like we're going to put these wrestlers there. Let's see if they're really good to sign them. I think would be a good idea. But that that or they could do like a to take the Level Up concept somewhat like seriously. <clears throat> they could open the forbidden door in their own company, so to speak, mm-hmm. and have it twer- like, like main roster talent, it, which it, that's how it is now for sure. Used to always say, well, it's not really main roster right now. Yeah, that is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, main roster talent could cross over with NXT talent 
and it could be like a ladder an opportunity to like the you go to level up and you could like if you fight fucking Dolph Ziggler and you fucking win maybe we'll sign you and you'll get a promotion brother something like that like maybe add some kind of real actual stakes to wrestling again mm-hmm. yeah I kind of <laughs> I kind of like your idea because you know let's just say you have someone like Nia Jax who's not a good wrestler you're like, hey, I think you kind of need some uh, <laughs> training again. So let's, you know, put you down to level up and, you know, work that ladder to the point where I'm like, now your main roster uh, eligible. Uh, and th- that's when the brass rings be- kind of become a little physical at this point because, you you know, you start from level up, then you move to NXT. And after you move to NXT, you move to the main roster. Um, but will WWE do that? No, they just, they just want to, you know, put these people to work cause they're paying them. <laughs> so you got to put them on the show. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was worth bringing up a little bit just because like, oh, well that show's dead now and it's changed into this and I'm not even really sure what it's supposed to be yet. <laughs> so we'll find out, I guess here shortly. Yeah. Um, and this might be a quick one too. Uh, EC3 and Adam Share, formerly known as Braun Strowman, are making their own wrestling promotion. I guess it's called Control Your Narrative, which is like based off that weird hashtag thing EC3 kept doing ever since he left. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much fu- like they're talking about how they're working on getting a TV contract somehow. Mm-hmm. And I guess they're funding it themselves. And they might have like some partners or whatever. But I don't know how big this could could get. It's because yeah. I think they can't. Uh, he came out with like a video of like it was him and Matt Cardona, um, who's EC3, and it's very overproduced. It's kind of like the Matt Hardy thing where they just like go into a warehouse and they have a match, and I'm like. You have to put this in a show format. Nobody wants that overproduced bullshit, um, because that means no. that that that's out of k uh, like it's out of kayfabe a lot. <laughs> Lucha Underground really kind of pushed the boundaries for that mm-hmm. to where it, like it was borderline like it was pretty close to like b- breaking it really. Mm-hmm. But that was I think that's as far as you could really push something like that. But, yeah, but like, they had fans. EC3 didn't have any fans in the warehouse. It was just him and the competitor. That's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I like that. Uh, maybe that'll change. Maybe they'll get feedback and they'll take it seriously. I don't know. Um, I'm not really invested in this idea necessarily. I don't even really believe it could take off. So I'm, no. I'm just, it's worth saying, Hey, these guys are trying to make a wrestling promotion because everybody might likes to make jokes or theories about different people. Like, well, they could just make a wrestling promotion. It'd be awesome. Like a lot of people like to think like somebody was saying some kind of shit, like oh, Shane McMahon, since he's on the outs of WWE now, he'll fund this. He'll fucking get involved or, Shane McMahon's going to AEW, which was probably the most retarded thing I ever heard. <laughs> and, uh, Triple H, that's another one. We're like, Maybe Triple H will leave WWE and make his own promotion. I'm like, he's not going to do that. No. <laughs> what? Y'all are crazy. 
He's just going to take his corporate job literally this time, I think. If if he ever came back to the office, he's just like, I guess I'm going to just be doing corporate shit. I think Triple H is sitting back, and he's like, all right, fine. You guys don't want me to do anything. I won't. And he's just he's just doing his job now, whatever it is. And he's just waiting for them to screw it up, I guess. I don't know. He's doing the Kevin Nash philosophy. Man, I'm just making money, brother. Just give me brother, money. I'm here to make money. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, what do you got? Um... We I, I don't did we talk I I think we talked about this off the air but the they're talking about having a swerve at the elimination chamber, uh, yeah. and there was rumors like oh you, you think it could be like Brock or you think it could be uh, you know Bobby Lashley it could not it could be something different it could be like, they're kind of doing like the one two three kid kind of thing a little bit, um, and I don't know I I have a feeling. They would go outside of the box just so that they could have that hashtag Twitter moment um, where it'd be like, oh, my God, a fucking Matt Riddle champion. Boom, bro. And all, bro champion. But I have a feeling what they're going to do is they're going to have Brock, who is the Royal Rumble winner right now, win the belt in the Elimination Chamber so that he could challenge Roman to unify the championship. I think that's where it's going. That's what it was supposed to be two months ago until uh, Roman got COVID. And now they're trying to get it back on track, pretty much. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I got, I guess we'll get into AEW stuff now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Much stuff's happened at AEW. Um, let's see. They announced the stipulation for <laughs> CM Punk and MJF's rematch. It's going to be a dog collar match at Revolution, which is cool. It's Who, old school. Who's going to win? Do you think MJF is going to go over, or do you think Punk is going over? Because MJF won the last time. I think Punk's going to go over. Uh, if MJF did go over, I think that would be fine, too. Mm-hmm. I, logically, I think Punk would win. Uh, and, yeah, they had that match on TV. I was just shocked. It's like, they're, getting, they're doing this on TV, like, when it happened, like, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it was really good, and they swerved us because it was, like, MJF won the first. Uh, he, he won initially, but he got caught cheating, and he restarted the match, and then he won again anyway. So, like, like logic, typical wrestling logic would dictate Punk would win in the end, mm-hmm. but that didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, and so. I, I, I'm I hating the trend that AEW does where, like, all oh, the familiar faces come in and they're, like, undefeated. Just stop with that bullshit. Just, like, have them lose. And I'm glad that Punk did lose because now we don't focus, like, oh, Punk is here and he's going to pretty much win every match. He was going to lose eventually. Some might he should have say- been winning every match, though, for a while. He, he, he should have. Mm-hmm. Some of these other people, though, it's like they do it the opposite way, too. Like... Like they bring in Jay Lethal and he's done nothing but lose. Yeah, what the fuck's that? Or like Ruby Soho is the same way. They bring in Ruby Wright, Ruby Soho, and she's like really over. And like, what did she do? She won that women's battle royal and per- won a couple of TV matches that didn't really mean much. Mm-hmm. And she's done nothing but lose since then. It's like, what the fuck? Everybody wanted to like her, be over. <laughs> like, I, why are you I, fighting that? I truly think they need to make Rampage a two-hour show and put it on a different day and a different time um, so that you can split up the talent because there's there's talent now 
that are just sitting there and I'm like, oh, you're kind of becoming like WWE now when they, they had all the talent in the world and Tony says that he's not stopped signing yet because you have other wrestlers like Johnny Gargano and, you know, Jeff Hardy and them. I don't I don't think they really have a problem in terms of uh, not having enough time. They have a problem with wanting to use the same fucking talent all the time and not cycling them out or not getting rid of them. Mm-hmm. Because they, they flat out still need to get rid of some people. I know some people are like, that's a dickish thing to say. No, some of these people just shouldn't fucking be there. <laughs> like, why the hell do we always see best friends? They're on every goddamn week. Or they're on Rampage beating Adam Cole or something. And, <laughs> and then there's like the Matt Hardy, Andrade, fam- that, that shit is, is trash. They're, they're all fucking jobbers now. And nobody fucking cares, and it's just like a waste of time. Well, did you watch the end of AEW Dynamite yesterday? Uh, I think I did. I was like kind of falling asleep when I was in the middle of watching it. <laughs> I'm not saying it was boring. I was just like tired. Gotcha. But it was also kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, after like uh Adam Cole and Adam Page had their weird fucking promo. Um, the. The main event was Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. And uh, fucking Eldrade uh, came out with like a bell or was that an iPad? I don't know why an iPad hurts so much, apparently. <laughs> uh, um, but apparently. He's done that before, yeah. He's, he uses an iPad to hit somebody. <laughs> he, uh, he hit Darby with the iPad while he was about to do the coffin drop. And then Sammy's like, oh, I guess I'm going to capitalize on this. And he, he won. And then now I think Matt Hardy's stopped managing the, the fucking uh, private party losers. And now he's yeah. going to be the manager for fucking Eldrade. Um, I don't know. Everything that Matt Hardy's touching right now is kind of shit in the company. So, <laughs> And then Eldrade, like... I hate to say it because he was a talented wrestler, but he he doesn't have his effective manager anymore. So it, he kind of like loses some of his um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he kind of loses some of his appeal a little bit. It's credibility, I guess. Yeah, his credibility too, yeah. Uh, it suffers because like he's got that assistant guy who just he carries an iPad. And sometimes he uses an iPad to hit somebody. Big fucking deal. The iPad's also a really shitty weapon. He needs Chavo. Oh, Chavo. <laughs> yeah, he needs fucking Chavo, honestly. And Matt Hardy's not going to do it either. No. Matt Hardy's got, like, the stench of fucking death around him. Yeah. Right now, it's like, seriously, everything is just trash that Matt Hardy does. He just needs to fucking go away. Mm-hmm. And all those guys in that fucking family office thing, they're just, they could just leave. <laughs> and nobody it, nobody would really be missed and i think uh whatever <laughs> but it, like honestly andrade has been kind of trash too like he i know allegedly he's been trying to work on his english and get better trying to do promos it's not working mm-hmm. i could barely understand him sometimes and he this weird thing where he's like stink i want to hire your boy like how much are you paying him it's like are you like fucking stupid? Do you not know that they're like the first time you do that? It's like, Oh, that's kind of a dickish heel thing, but he keeps doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you not understand? Well, <laughs> it's like, you're not being a dick anymore. It's like, you're dumb. <laughs> Just, 
It's like Eldrade is trying to be like the Spanish Ric Flair. And I think he is trying to be Spanish Ric Flair. It does not work. Yeah. He just he doesn't have the profile down. He doesn't have the charisma. And like it's fu- it's interesting because like I think they've kind of talked about him on Cornette's show a couple times and he's like, Yeah, his promos aren't good. And he's like, How does he sound in Spanish? And like anybody that that's that's fluent in Spanish, can you tell me like how he sounds when he speaks Spanish? Is it good? And then somebody actually got back with him and he said, he sounds really boring and bland in Spanish. <laughs> so like, I don't, I don't know how that kind of sucks. That's like a body blow. <laughs> like when you learn that, it's like, damn, he's not even charismatic in his fucking native language. Uh, that's why you need someone like Chavo, because even though Eddie's dead, you know, he's, it's his brother and he could be like, Eddie's dead. <laughs> he's down there. <laughs> Hulkamania is dead. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> she said Eddie's dead. It just reminded me of that thing Orton did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but, like, you could have Chavo, like, put charisma in. Because even though Eddie knew how to speak English, he, like, mixed it. He he like talk Spanish and he'd be like essay I'm gonna beat you as uh, el loco and all that stuff like you could do stuff like that but you have to have a charisma while you're doing it. I mean Eddie's English was good anyway though too. He you could understand everything he was saying. Yeah, but I'm saying like you could have like a mixture with Eldrade and be like be this yeah. pissed off like uh, rich fucking Spanish guy. That's going to beat everyone's ass and then, like, have Chavo, like, fill in the important stuff that you need to say. <laughs> you know, honestly, what he's doing, like, we are, you said Spanish Ric Flair. We kind of already had that. That was Alberto Del Rio. Yes. Because <laughs> he, like, I'm not saying he was super charismatic, but he what he did have some charisma to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, yeah, Ray does that too. Ray will inflect some Spanish and Ray's not really super charismatic either, but he has like this aura about him and he has a bunch of credibility because he's Ray Mysterio. So like, it's fine. He can talk about whatever and you're going to be interested in what he's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, let's see where it's going. Oh, yeah, here's a quick one. Uh, JR's contract is apparently expiring soon. Um, Do you think Tony Khan's going to get rid of him? I don't know. Uh, maybe because, like, in JR, the way he was talking about it, he kind of made it sound like if that happened, he wouldn't be, like, necessarily tore up about it because he said, like, I'm fucking 70. <laughs> like, I just got over this cancer shit, and I can't keep doing this forever. Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, if they, and he's like, I'm enjoying my time here, but like, if he doesn't want to use me anymore, like, that's fine. So he's cool with it, whichever way it goes, I guess. If I was smart, if, if Tony was smart, be like, hey, JR, I know you like commentating, but you know, getting old and stuff. What about being a booker besides me? Uh, oh my God. Yes, please. (laughs) And hire him as a booker. So that shows <laughs> make sense a little bit more. Um, they need to just do, like, create a. I know booking committees traditionally don't really work, but I feel like Tony Khan needs some of that load taken off of him, mm. and somebody else just to get to 
like when he says, let's do this match. And it's like, brother, you just had that match last week and the week before. Like, let's let's do something different. Or like you're having somebody attack a chair and sag two. And then like later on in the show, they're going to attack somebody else with a chair. And it's going to look shitty compared to how it was in sag two or sag. Yeah. So it's like, why are we repetitively doing angles in the same fucking show? Mm-hmm. Stop it. <laughs> I feel like he needs help with that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you could you could hire JR and then maybe like two more people. I would I'd, fuck it. I'd just get fucking William Regal. And what's another guy that's free right now? Is Lance Storm yeah. still with TNA? I don't know what he's doing. Arn Anderson is there, and I know he's like a manager, but <laughs> somebody's gone, and he's not a manager for them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get so it. So, like, what's Arn Anderson doing? Like, you know he knows a bunch of shit. He used to be an agent. He's like, he could totally help with shit like that, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Roberts is there. Jake Roberts was on the creative team at WWF for, like, almost a year. He just, it didn't last long because he kept getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he's a great creative mind for wrestling. Like, why don't they fucking ask him questions? And I think that's why Tony decided to like take the full reins instead of having all the VPs, which we will get to on one of the VPs that uh, decided to bounce. Um, but like, he's like, I, you know what? Things are not making sense with all you VPs making dumb decisions. Like, he probably said it nicely. Uh, but he's like, yeah, now I have full control. You guys just wrestle. Worry about wrestling. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like Tony needs someone there because it, it seems like every time Tony uh, builds up this big show, it has to be like an ECW type of show. It has to be like a hardcore bleeding match. And we've seen like what? I want to say seven matches in the past like three months of bleeding. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know. I'm not, like, fucking sexist about this or anything necessarily, but they tend to want to try to do that with women a lot, and, I, like, it's kind of weird, like, why? And <laughs> it kind of dilutes it a little bit, too, because I'm not saying they're not capable of it, but some of them don't necessarily have the ability to portray, like, extreme violence believably. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they try to get vicious, it's like, uh, okay, like, they, I saw they had a match like that. It was like, what was it? AJ, Ty Conti, I think Bunny and Penelope Ford. Yeah. And I think Penelope Ford is actually a pretty good wrestler. But in that kind of an environment, in that kind of rule set, I don't think any of them did that good of a job. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Yeah. That <laughs> Some people don't, hated that shit, but, like, honestly, like, it came across well they did a good enough job well that's because it's two good wrestlers Britt baker and uh fucking thunder rosa made it believable where i'm just like yeah those motherfuckers are want to kill each other <laughs> for the championship yeah, thunder rosa's believable and Britt baker is willing to take a fucking lick <laughs> and just keep going mm-hmm. so that helps uh last thing for me is uh this happened like last week and like Keith Lee debuted on dynamite and it was cool. And we talked privately like uh, Keith Lee wouldn't really be a big signing. He'd need to be rehabilitated a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're off to a good start because 
he just came out there and he was like his old self again. And he just steamrolled fucking private party. Isaiah Cassidy. Yeah. And he held up his end, but, and then Keith Lee beat up fucking Mark Quinn too. Like, it's like he handled both those guys. Again, Tony, like, listen, Keith Lee did look good in the ring. And if the, if they're building him to be a monster, just like how NXT was building before he like came to the main roster. And they ruined him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with AEW doing that. But, like, the hype that Tony Khan did once again is, like, opening that forbidden door and, like, hyping everybody up. I truly think that forbidden door was not for Keith Lee. It's I, for Jay White. It was for Jay White, and I, he he found out. He probably looked at social media like, well, it better not be New Japan because we don't fucking know anybody. <laughs> it needs to be, like, WWE or TNA or Impact or whatever. And he walked yeah. he walked back to tweet. It was like he really over, yeah. He he kind of owned up to that a little bit that he kind of overhyped it again. Mm. It's like I think what he was thinking was his hardcore base would free. Oh my god, Jay White, and he's right about that. But like normies and potentially casual fans or like casual AEW fans and people you could just get flipping channels or really casual wrestling fans, they're not going to know who he is necessarily. Mm-hmm. I have an idea of who this guy is. I know about him. I've heard about him. And I was like, well, I don't know this guy. But honestly, ob- objectively, that's not a big, oh, my God, holy shit signing. It just isn't. Um, and then I heard him talk. And I was like, bro, this guy <laughs> cannot. Like, I don't know how to just de- I, I don't know how to describe it without sounding like an asshole. He sounds like a fucking nerd. And I can't tell where the fuck he comes from. He has like a weird accent. New, Ze- uh, New Zealand. Um, oh, is it New Zealand? It sounds like, is he British? He just sounds like off though. Like I can't tell. Here, here's the thing. Because I, I watched a lot of New Japan like literally when WWE was garbage and I didn't have like an AEW to watch. But I was watching <laughs> New, New Japan. And Jay White is good as a face. Because... You know, he could do that smiling thing and have those one-liners that are, you know, that nerdy moment that you're talking about. Like, that fits with a face. And he was fine with that. Then he joined Bullet Club. And him trying to put on that, like... Tough guy, asshole, outsider thing. It's kind of like Kenny Omega. Like, it's the same path that he took. Like, when he became a villain in New Japan, Kenny Omega... Like, he had this, like, anime villain kind of bullshit. And Jay White kind of has the same thing. Like, I got to put on a leather jacket and I'm, you know, a badass now. Well, it's not even like, like, it's not that I, I don't believe him, but, like, the things he says necessarily because of that. It's just that the way, literally the way he sounds when he talks. Mm-hmm. He sounds like a guy who should be selling cell phones or something. <laughs> like, he just doesn't sound like a, a like, a asshole fucking gaijin dude from bullet club he just sounds like a, a dude mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and i'm not he he talks okay i mean like he doesn't stumble over his words and shit and put his foot in his mouth it's just he doesn't have it's like when you hear um it's like when you hear brock lesnar or bobby lashley talk the first time you're like what mm-hmm. Like, eventually you get used to it, and then, like, they get older, and then they learn how to talk better. It works for them. Maybe he just hasn't figured out how to talk for him yet. Yeah. (laughs) 
don't know. They're doing the elite angle. The elite is pretty much Bullet Club at this point. Um, because every all the Bullet Club people are coming in and going through the elite. Except uh, Tamatonga. He says those are fake-ass motherfuckers. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I can never tell if it's a work that he's doing or he just naturally just says, fuck you. <laughs> I think Tamatonga is, is kind of an asshole in real life a little bit. It's, mm. I, I don't know. He just comes... I believe him. Mm-hmm. That's the case. So... Uh, Alright. You ready for the main event of, of the news? This is the big one. Yeah. So... We talked about it on the show. We talked about how, like, Cody Rhodes is, like, off contract and doing, like, handshake contracts that he was on for the past couple of uh, Dynamites that he was on. Well, it's official now. Um, He's not a free... Well, he's still a free agent, but he left AEW with Brandy. Uh, And both left... Tony Khan, you know, gave a positive, you know... And also, Cody gave a positive note about leaving. But how is it positive? I I, I, I feel like he's leaving a lot of shit on the table. And it, I, I tried to, like, think this objectively where, you know, you brought up the point on Messenger that, you know, now he has a family. He has to think about the family. And WWE is kind of like that set income where, you know, you, you don't have to sacrifice your body every Wednesday and, you know, have a have a paycheck there and be yeah, re- real quick. I just want to say it did come up that apparently he was asking for more money and Tony didn't, he just didn't see it that way. And uh, it's come out that, and I don't know how true this is or not, that Tony's running off of a budget in terms of signing people. Mm-hmm. There's no sky's the limit. I can, I'm high on the hog. I can fucking buy whoever I want. And apparently that's not the case right now. Hey, he's not like so, he's not like billion, billionaire Ted uh, for WCW. Yeah. Uh, um, there was also news that like Cody Rhodes, like one of the big things that he left, it was that he didn't have Booker power anymore. It, yeah. And that kind of angered me a little bit because, g- listen, I get it, Dusty, your father, he's a Booker, and wherever he did a promotion, he was a Booker. I get that. But maybe you just weren't good as your father as a booker. And maybe, no, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, just being honest. Yeah. And, and maybe you should just, like, take take the fact that you're not going to be booking. And I hope I hope he's not going to WWE thinking that he's going to be a booker. Because, gonna yeah, book. <laughs> yeah, because maybe they'll make him a booker, but then Vince is going to be like, nah, that, that's not good. Fucking put... Austin Theory in it or something like that, whatever. Fuck, they don't even let a lot of their own guys try to do their own shit or come up with their own promos. Yeah. Very select few people are able to do that. I I think what really rubs me the wrong way, and keep in mind, I'm not, like, doing this, like, war, like how, like, Brian Alvarez does every fucking week with ratings. I'm not, like, being, like, this guy's a backstabber. But, like, when when you're putting, like, so much investment into AEW saying it's a revolution and then doing like this program with the nightmare family uh and all that stuff and 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 doing that and bringing your brother to the AEW and now you're just leaving your brother again in the promotion 
And then some of the other stuff that you brought up too about how he like would say a lot of shit about WWE and like, well, we don't fucking sign people and call him McGilla buddy. And, and they're like, we don't break triple H throne. He's breaking triple H thrones. And then turn around and saying, I actually have a lot of respect for triple H. I'm like, why are you fucking doing shit? Like you're making fun of him then. Yeah. <laughs> why are you, why are you trying to pattern your life? You're after him. <laughs> and, and it's like, if he truly loved the family of AEW, and if he didn't want to do wrestling a lot, he could have went to Tony and be like, "Hey, listen, I want to do, you know spend time with family, and you know I'd rather do stuff on the back end if anything because I don't want to wrestle a lot because now I have a family." Like I, I have a feeling that would have been a better outcome if you really did, you know, believe in the product that you said that was going to be revolutionary and going to be alternate. And by reading all the stuff where he wanted more money, he wanted to have that booking power and have like that like legendary status. And because Tony Khan's like probably saw him as a mid Carter, and it's like nah, <laughs> you can't be a booker. You can't you can't main event. Uh, he, did, he, he did too much damage to himself. He 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 slashed his own worth by being left to his own devices and that's what led to him losing his booking power I think mm -hmm. and I think that that was the biggest thing with him uh, wanting to leave what was the loss of the booking power more than anything he had this fucking idea in his head he wanted to be like his dad and fucking isn't and he can't be <clears throat> his, his ego got the best of him and he kind really of yeah. in, my, in my opinion and I know a lot of AEW fans are like on Twitter going, like, yeah, best of luck, bye, be good and stuff. I'm not saying harass him or anything. I'm saying. No, I don't hate him or yeah. anything. I don't hold it against him. Just whatever, you know. But I feel like he's backstabbing the fans. Like, you, you brought people here. Now you're just like, I'm going back over there where I told you guys to leave to come over here. And now I'm going back over there. And, and, yeah, and I don't even know if it's necessarily backstabbing, but it is posing. Yeah, because he's like, "Oh, we're a revolution! I'm gonna break Triple H thrones. Fuck WWE! Hey, Bob, go!" Yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, but I, I, everybody does that. Though. It's like I was saying that a lot of people do that. They'll leave and then they'll talk shit. They'll talk shit about Vince. Talk shit about WWE, and then like after a couple years, they'll go right back. Yeah, I agree with you, but at the same time, the way Cody brought everything up, it's kind of like. You're fake. It's kind of fake. Yeah, people called him out for this shit, and people called out called him out on that on some of his uh, angles he tried to do and stuff. I think what where the straw broke the camel's back was on that uh, fucking Anthony Gogo angle. I think that that's what did in his booking power. Mm -hmm. Is it like Tony fucking hated that, and uh, like <laughs> he tried to play it off like Cody was like. Oh, it was great. It was great. And then, like, it took months later for him to come out and say that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was just, like, smelling his own farts, and then he finally figured it out that it was legitimately not good. I I think he's a great mid-carder. I mean, he could do things, and I've said it on the show. It's like he, at certain times, he could put on a good match. But, like, when he was VP and booking on AEW, every angle that he did, he had to have some type of spectacle. 
Uh, it had to be some type of old school thing that his father did. His entrance alone was a ego thing where he just comes out of the fucking ground of the stage, which is cool. It has this long dramatic music. Yeah. And there's like fucking smoke and the lights dim and this is fucking is this the undertaker and it's like no it's cody rhodes it's like fucking what <laughs> yeah and then the whole usa versus the united kingdom because we're fighting those red coats again um he he said and i didn't take it that way a lot of people did as like a troll he said what he was trying to do was like try to make it feel like it was like a soccer match or some bullshit like it was like a sporting event mm. but it didn't come across that way well, it came up like rocky or whatever yeah, it was weird, but uh, like, I think Cody is capable of being like in the upper card or main event. It's just that when he's left, when he was left to his own devices like that, he fucking drowned himself because he has terrible instincts for wrestling. Mm-hmm. He needs somebody to tell him what to do and to do it that way. He's one of those people. And maybe he got that way because he was stuck in WWE for that long. And he just, he doesn't have any instincts. That's what I think a lot of people in the WWE system don't naturally have wrestling instincts. If they didn't come up on the independence or anything, he Hmm. didn't, he was, he's, he's a WWE guy. He got bred from that system. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Um, obviously I wish the best for him. Uh, we heard that, you know, they're, doing like tapings in the performance center, like promos and shit. So that, that seems like that's, uh, that's what's happening is he's going to WWE. I don't know who's he going to face. Who is he going to challenge? It could be, they could, they could go several different directions with that. I can't really see them putting him in the main event, but like the, the rumor is Vince kind of sees like, Oh, I could do something interesting with him. So I think, Stone Cold. No. (laughs) What if he did come and then Stone Cold just stunned him and they made him look like a total fucking loser? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That would honestly be really funny. I wouldn't put that past Vince where he's like, yeah, kid, come over here. I'll push you and fucking be with Stone Cold. (laughs) (laughs) You got to Stone Cold. (laughs) But no, like, uh, like I can see them putting him in a high profile angle. It's not main event, but it's high profile. Possibly, like with the Miz, because he was just on the the opposite, the you know, a competitor channel, uh, and he was like a high profile person on that uh, on that show in that promotion. Uh, Say whatever you want, he was, Mm -hmm. and uh, like yeah, it could be like he could feud with Miz or he could fucking feud with Edge or something. And then after that, I don't know. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I, I see them trying to do with him right now. I need you so to be star cut, Stardust. Yes. <laughs> People are making that joke. Oh, come back and be Stardust, lol. I'm like, no, he's not going to make him be fucking Stardust. Now it's going to be Cody Rhodes. <laughs> it's going to be his what persona, persona that he has until Vince goes, that's dumb. Take that jacket. get rid of that stupid neck tattoo, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he fucking tells him that. <laughs> Makes him wear, like, this, like, neck covering thing. You need, like, a scarf. <laughs> like that guy on your show, JFM. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've got a $500 scarf I can give you. 
I, I, I the the good news I heard out of this is that Brandy doesn't have a contract with the WWE, so she won't be wrestling. <laughs> we got you. She can't. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> that's it. That's all the news. <laughs> One thing I want to point out. Uh, it was a funny post because someone like put like Cody Rhodes in between like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. because he ended racism in AEW apparently, and there was like a, <laughs> <laughs> apparently there was a sign in AEW where Cody ended racism. He was like, "I have a beautiful mixed race baby." <laughs> I'm like, "Are you like the first? Like, <laughs> what is this?" That was such a bizarre angle. It was so weird. I just died because it's Cody Rhodes in his suit in the, in between MLK. <laughs> Fuck I, I, I hate bringing this fucking shit up. Again. He said he workshopped his promos. I'm like, hey, he just told you it was good? Like, that was okay? Mm. Or did you just choose not to listen to them? Oh, no, they don't understand. It'll be fucking great. Mm. God damn. Well... <laughs> To his future endeavors. By the way, that is well. That is the first high-profile uh, wrestler to be released out of AEW. So, what are you talking about Joey Janela? Oh fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> Marco Stop. No, I'm talking like big, big, big. I don't know, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> All Jimmy right. Havoc. I mean, yeah, well. He, he he left because of like strange fights that were happening. He uh, he got caught up in that Me Too uh, stuff, British Me Too stuff. Yeah, and yeah, nobody cares about Jimmy Havoc anymore. <laughs> no, but you know what? I care about King of the Ring, nineteen ninety three. Yes, <laughs> Vince goes crazy in the beginning. Given that, I love that. I love that. That was the promo at the beginning. I was making fun of Vince when he was like, "This is the King of the Ring. We're gonna have." He's like having like an aneurysm, like doing this whole intro for the King of the Ring brackets and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and he did. He wasn't on the show on commentary. I'm like, yeah, he blew his voice out when he did that that fucking dub <laughs> or something. And instead, we got Vin, uh, Jim Ross, Macho Man, and Heenan, which was just like the WrestleMania commentary. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, a little bit better in this one compared to Mania, because I think Mania, JR, just joined the company. Um, that was his first uh, time on commentary there. Yeah. This one, it's a little off a little bit with JR, but, like, he's starting to, like, mend in a little bit because he's, like, fucking picking on Bobby the whole time. It's like, you're wrong. He's, <laughs> he's slowly getting, he's getting comfortable. So. Some of this felt like classic JR, like some of the stuff he was doing. Mm-hmm. He was going wild on some of the calls. He was like getting into his JR groove, and I was digging that. Yeah, he's like, my God, the suplex! It's <laughs> <laughs> like, hit him with a knife! <laughs> <laughs> so first match, Razor Ramon versus Brett the Hitman Hart. And uh, I noticed something that... Um, Brett, when he takes off his little glasses for the young children, he he, he uh, autographs them. It's pretty cool. I just noticed yeah. that. I was like, oh, cool. He, they, that kid doesn't know it, but <laughs> the Hitman's autograph is on there. And I thought somebody was going to steal it from the kid, by the way. All the other kids. Well, there was, like, another kid who was, like, reaching for it. Like, oh, my God, please give it to me. And he, like, went past him and gave it to, like, a really young child. Like, they looked like they were, like, three or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was totally disappointed. He was like crushed. <laughs> Damn. 
I feel you, kid. I was one of those kids, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was an amazing first match. Um, we're getting that rematch from uh, WrestleMania. Was it WrestleMania with Razor and Brett? No, that was a Royal Rumble. Oh, Royal Rumble, yeah. Razor versus Brett. Um, Brett was working the ground a lot. Uh, there was a crazy-ass Razor Ramon strong clothesline that, like, knocked Brett. Which, by the way, I, I have to admit... Brett in this pay per view made me appreciate him a hell of a lot, like tons. Because like, God damn it, he did amazing and every everything he's done in this pay per view. Yeah, well, we'll probably go over that at the end. Which is how I'd say this was a an important moment for his career was like this pay per view. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what you uh, What do you got to say about this? And I'll I'll chime in on if we have the same things written down. Um, yeah, it was like you're saying, they were kind of like, Brett was trying to hold and stuff on Razor and kind of like out-wrestle him. And, uh, you know, he's punching him a bit too. Like, Brett Hart's got good punches. Like, something I don't think he gets enough credit for. Mm -hmm. Is he can brawl and it looks believable. Uh, you know, he's doing arm drags and he's like, he's doing all kinds of different arm holds too. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, where where the momentum shifts is like Brett tries to hip toss him, and then like Brett rever- uh, reverses it, and then Razor like tries to reverse it back or some shit. He he can't he can't hip toss him, so he just levels him with that huge clothesline. <laughs> He's dead. He's like shit. Mm-hmm. He, he goes for an elbow drop. This is funny. This happens multiple times in the match. Razor will like kind of pause for a moment and then he'll go for like a huge elbow drop like he'll jump really high in the air and miss <laughs> <laughs> at some point he does that three times in a row <laughs> it's like he'll he jumps up miss gets up miss <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like a reverse Dolph Ziggler yeah and there there also is a, is a cool spot where Razor Ramon does like a scoop slam but then it gets countered into an arm lock by fucking Brett which was fucking cool yeah, he like held onto an arm bar while he was scoop slammed, and then he rolled through, and he he's like shit, because he couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else happens. Uh, uh, that's another big moment. Like he throws, uh, Brett throws Razor in the corner, and he goes to like do something, but he throws up a knee when Brett charges, and he's like shit, and then he just throws him into the post, and that's when Razor starts getting heat on him. He starts hitting big moves like fall away slam running power slam, which I've never seen him do that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. And he hits sidewalk slam. That's when he does the three elbow drops and misses. Yeah. And then Brett just gets up. He starts throwing bombs. Mm-hmm. And then that, the crowd starts going ape shit when that happens. Uh, see, like to me, the building blocks of like a really good comeback that actually gets people it isn't just getting up and like hitting a big move necessarily. It's like just throwing crazy punches, like some kind of big strike or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like, and then it builds, it builds from the strikes. And then it's like, Oh my, there's some kind of like visceral reaction. People have to that when they see somebody just, just wailing on a guy, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh shit. And then, then Brett throws out the big moves. Like he does the, the inverted atomic drop and the clothesline. Yeah. Yeah. And he starts he starts doing his finishing sequence. He starts hitting his other moves like the Russian leg sweep and the backbreaker. Elbow drop from the second rope. Mm-hmm. There was an atomic drop to a clothesline. That was crazy. 
Yeah, like, Brett's interesting because, like, he has, like, this – some people talk shit about it, and I don't know why. I don't know why people talk shit about Bret Hart's wrestling. It's, like, fucking weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never understood people that did that. Uh, but it's, like, he has certain moves that I call – I call I always call it, like, this is the finishing sequence. People go, like, oh, five moves of doom, and that's what they – derisively called John Cena's finishing sequence. But could, but the thing about his was he would always do it the same exact way. Mm-hmm. He would do the, the shoulder block, the flying shoulder blocks, and the, the guy would clothesline him and he'd miss and he'd do the, the, the spinning power bomb and the, the, uh, the, the fist drop. <laughs> and, but Brett would change it up all the time. Like, he do what we were just talking about. Those two moves, backbreaker, Russian leg sweep. And then sometimes he would do the Russian leg sweep first, and then he'd do some other move or something. He would do like a pre- – the, the thing about Bret Hart, since he's a technical wrestler, is like you, you literally have to watch his whole match and see what yeah. he's what he's focusing on. Because remember, he was working on the arm of Razor Ramon. That, that's what he was focusing on. Um and then obviously he worked near the legs. That's why he did like figure fours and stuff. And then, you know, ended with the sharpshooter to get you tapping. Or it would be like a like a counter suplex, which which happens here in the in the match, or like a roll up that would happen that he would win. That's the other thing too, is his matches didn't always finish with sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time Brett would win a match with like a weird pinning combination or something. Yeah, which he did several times in his pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like uh, where does it go? Oh yeah, um, I think Brett goes like Razor shoots him off. And he tries to hit a clothesline, but Brett ducks and he reverses it into an O'Connor roll. But you know that roll up they do where they go into the ropes chest first and they roll backwards on him and mm-hmm. they they got him covered sitting sitting on their ass or whatever you want to say. Yeah, um, that's an O'Connor roll. I, I I never knew what the fuck that was called for like several years. <laughs> but, uh, Razor kicks out and then he throws Brett the turnbuckle. He takes that turnbuckle bump from the chest. It's like fuck. Mm-hmm. Every time he does that, it just looks like he kills him. Um, then he starts going for the Razor's edge. Brett wiggles out and he tries to do a backslide, but Razor's too strong and he he can't get him over. But he's really close to the turnbuckles, so he runs up the turnbuckles, flips over, lands in front of him, and hooks a small package real fast and gets him. Or mm. no, he doesn't get him. It was He kicks out at like 2.9. Mm. <laughs> it was like super close. And then uh, he's like, he gets up and he's like, are you sure that was two? Like he wasn't really arguing with the referee. He's like, are, are you sure that was two? That was so close. And then Razor gets him from behind and puts him on the turnbuckle. He's like going for that back suplex. But then Brett Twist hits the crossbody and he gets him on three. <laughs> yeah. And that put a lot of points on a lot of those finish. I love weird finishes. I love when it's just like a a roll up or like hits a bulldog or hits like some move that is like today's move is like that's just a normal move. But back then, you know, DDTs, when they brought out those moves and stuff, that like it mattered because you're planting someone's head onto the mat. Which would knock him out. <laughs> people, like people's reaction to that is weird now. It's like really split. Like a lot of people don't like it when somebody wins with a roll up. 
mm-hmm. some kind of pin combination or like it's not their finisher it's like people get confused by that or some shit yeah but like okay brian danielson is a good example where right now he's all about that he he's all about having his match finish in like a different way every time mm-hmm. it's not always like oh he beats him with the running knee or he does his cattle mutilation sometimes he hits like a move and just fucking beats the guy or he does a different submission and makes him tap out or something. Mm. He went to the Bret Hart school of thought there. <laughs> get the wrestling over, you know, because if you get the wrestling over in general, that means every move matters and you could get beaten at any time. Yeah. Makes sense to me. What'd you give this match? Uh, I gave it a 7.3 out of 10. Oh, man, I was too uh, generous. 8 out of 10 for me. That's fine. You did that last time when we saw him at the Rumble. Mm-hmm. I like that match a little bit better than this one, but this is still good. Is maybe you just like Razor better than me against Bret Hart? Because <laughs> I like Razor, but like I've seen to me, I've seen Bret work with other guys better than what he does with Razor. I just don't think they have that good chemistry. Yeah, not saying it's bad. No, it's a good match. They work well together, but. As you'll see later, Brett works better with some other people. Yes. I, I And we'll get to it, but there's one that I'm actually surprised about, where which I will get to when we get to it. But, oh, yeah. Uh, it huge, huge, I think I know the one you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, d- so we got, like, some backstory that we get twice, by the way. We get it in this one, and then also we get it on WWF Raw. Um, the WWF superstars were... Um, Mr. Hughes is, like, taking the urn and shit and, like, pounding fucking uh, Paul Bearer and The Undertaker. This is why Giant Gonzalez was, like, fighting Undertaker, too. Yeah, and what's weird to me in this, I don't know if they're, like, selling it this way where Mr. Hughes has the power of the urn and that's why he's, like, overpowering Taker and Paul Bearer. Because, like, wouldn't you want Giant Gonzalez to look fucking... uh, strong in some way compared to what mr hughes was doing there okay so this is my theory uh remember like when he first appeared and i said you know giant gonzalez doesn't look as awful as i remember like when he first showed up and he was like in the royal rumble and stuff Mm -hmm. but then it's like as he's been appearing more it's like he's been getting slower and more awkward yeah I don't know. I think his health was declining. I think like that giantism was starting to get to him or some shit. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, possibly. I think they realized though pretty soon that he was pretty limited in what he can do mm-hmm. like, in the ring, and they thought because I think, man, like this Mister Hughes guy is pretty good. He's like a good big guy. He can do like a lot of different moves, and he can sell good. So maybe we can use Mister Hughes with Giant Gonzalez to get some of this action over more or something. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, and that leads to the next part of the bracket, which is Mr. Hughes with Harvey uh Whippleman um versus Mr. Perfect. The Battle of Misters. Yes. Uh I, I love the towel throw. Just lands on Mr. Hughes' shoulder. <laughs> he just and it wasn't even like he was really pissed off about it too. He was just like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say. I don't have a problem with Mr. Hughes in this. Uh, well, I kind of do with my scoring. Um, this wasn't 
Mr. Perfect was carried in his whole match, I think. Um, the botches seemed like Mr. Hughes wasn't ready for it. I think it was the most of the botches were done by him, and it just looked pretty bad. Um, Mr. Hughes has a weak fucking snap nare, by the way. That looked like garbage. Uh, Mr. Mr. Perfect snap there is perfect. <laughs> um, what do you call it? Mr. Perfect, I love his selling. Um, when fucking Hughes was beating the shit out of him. Here's what I really liked that you'll see throughout the show is they'll interview the winner of the last match. So Bret Hart was in, the, uh, you know, saying that he would rather face Mr. Perfect because he's more agile and he likes him, which we'll get to the segment later, which is pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> so I, I like that touch and I wish they kind of bring that back a little bit when they do, when they do tournaments. Um, I'm sorry if you hear the dog barking. Um, trying to see what else here. Oh, I wrote Mr. Hughes balls on rope because when is, you know, he was bouncing on the ropes because of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Um, back body drop from Mr. Perfect was fucking cool. Uh, and then Mr. Hughes hits with the urn and gets that DQ. And I don't, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that 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 uh, that ending. But what do you have to say about this match? Okay, so I thought. I kind of like Mr. Hughes, but there was a spot in this match where it seemed like shit kind of broke down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was in the middle of it. Cause everything they were doing before that was great. Like they shoot off and Mr. Perfect hits a drop kick. And he just staggers him. And then like when he's shooting Mr. Hughes off, he's fucking moving really fast for like a guy that size. Mm-hmm. And like when he's doing the, like, I think perfect, hip tossed him or some shit and like he just rolls with it like he almost went out of the ring on that he's like holy hell and then he gets back up and just runs at him full speed and they go at it again Mm -hmm. and he's like damn this guy's like really impressive yeah and he hits a big and then like mr hughes takes over and he starts hitting big moves big boot clothesline doing some neck vices and shit and then he fires perfect in the corner and he, he just bounces out of it. Like he, like he was shot out of a cannon or some shit. <laughs> like he did that flip and he's like, Oh shit, my back. <laughs> and, and then, uh, yeah, that we get the picture in picture around that time. And he says, he basically says what you said. Uh, and they go to shoot off again. And then like something happens where it's like they miscommunicated or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think Mr. Hughes was going to go for like a fucking spine buster or some, like something like that. And it just fucked up and they both fell over on each other (laughs) and they covered up really fast though. They're like shit. And then like perfect just starts punching him. And then Mr. Hughes does like eye rake. And after that, I think they, they got back on track. Uh, it was, it was bad blown spot there, but they, they tried to fix it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Then it went quickly into that, that ending, which was like kind of flat. He's all of a sudden he just hits him with the urn. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh yeah. Uh, 
I understand. I understand why they did it, but at the same time, I'm like, I have. You have to have Mr. Hughes either like. I don't know how to put it, but like, he has to like lose cleanly, I guess, or at least maybe Mr. Perfect go back to his you know heelish ways to win, kind of like what he does with Brett later on. Um, but like. You have to show Mr. Hughes is strong and having him take the errand to cheat. It's like, oh, I can't beat Mr. Perfect. I don't know. I, I just didn't yeah, didn't agree with that. I kind of feel the same way. It was like, I sort of get why they did it that way because they didn't want Mr. Hughes to like lose. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Perfect shouldn't lose either. Like cleanly. Neither of them should lose clean. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. Uh I would have had him de- get DQ'd in a more forceful way than that, than just hitting him with the urn. It just looked lame. I would have had Parby do something stupid to cost Mr. Hughes the match. or so- Yeah, something like that. Or, like, if Mr. Hughes went out there and he, like, got a little out of control, like, he grabbed a chair, hit him with the fucking stairs or some bullshit. Like, he just got really pissed and just, like, got himself DQ'd. Mm-hmm. Um... That being said, with like the botches and everything, it was still pretty fun to watch up to a point. I gave it a five point nine out of ten. I still went a little higher than you. I I thought I was going to be like super harsh. I gave it a six point three out of ten. I enjoyed what Mister Perfect did. Um, the botches kind of threw me off a little bit, but then the ending, I was like, eh. I wasn't sold on that. But I get it that they wanted to move on so that they could have Mister Perfect and and Bret Hart face each other. But before uh, we get to that, which is down the road, we have a segment with Mean Gene, uh, Yoko, and um, what's his manager? Fuck. Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> but they talk about how cheaters are Hogan. I mean, Ho- Hogan's a cheater. Uh, Hogan is a cheater. Yeah. And I agree. The, the whole time I'm agreeing with the heels, I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? They just had like a 40-minute match with Bret Hart. It's it's not sanctioned. Um, I guess if you count Mr. Fuji allowing that to happen. But come on. Hogan just politicked his way to get that belt and did nothing with it until fucking King of the Ring. <laughs> yeah, brother. He's like Money, Inc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are, he... he, he he patterns his championship run after asshole heels with money. <laughs> I What I like about this promo is that Mr. Fuji is fucking talking, and then out of nowhere, Yoko is like, Banzai! Or whatever he says. Like, he starts to talk. <laughs> he only knows a couple Japanese words. So. <laughs> it's like, he just starts talking and being angry and shit and calling Hogan a cheater, which... Uh, Oh, um, oh no, that's the, that's the promo later. I can't wait for that one because that's my other, that's my other favorite fucking Yoko uh, promo of the night. (laughs) I was dying last night. Oh my God. But, oh man, like I, I like Mr. Fuji, but like he's kind of limited in what he can do to be like Yoko's mouthpiece because his English isn't that great. Mm -hmm. Um, I cannot wait. Until Jim Cordat comes in and wrestles Yokozuna, that's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go from like the penthouse, the the outhouse to the penthouse with that one. <laughs> All right. Um, 
Unless you had anything else you wanted to point out in that promo, anything? No, nah, you, you pretty much got all of it. Okay. Next match, Bam Bam versus Jim Duggan. Hacksaw Jim, Jim Duggan. Hacksaw is fucking over, dude. Uh, yeah, he's really over. It's like, I know you say, I don't, I don't really like Hacksaw that much. He doesn't sell all the time, even though he sold for Shawn Michaels. <laughs> uh, fucking, he sold better for Shawn Michaels and Crush. I'm just saying. <laughs> which um, which we'll get to Crush soon, because I am surprised about that, but uh, we'll get to that. Um, I, I like how JR said, like, tremendous ovation for Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And he's like, I don't know why. <laughs> He just like totally cut his nuts off. Like, <laughs> I I I love the strength test uh, between Bam Bam and uh, I wrote this a couple of times, and this is just my weirdo self. I wrote, "Wow, Bam Bam has fucking huge ass cleavage." Like he would like bend down and like his man titties would squish together. I'm like, that's weird. Why am I? I, I noticed that too this time, and it's weird because it maybe is that outfit was just cut lower mm-hmm. it seemed more like it was a v-neck yeah <laughs> and i was like that's weird i'm gonna move on now <laughs> uh i wrote hacksaw drops bam bam uh bam bam was hitting his headbutts uh love that hacksaw was kind of selling the rib shot I was really surprised about that because usually Hacksaw is not about selling. Like, he'll hulk up. He'll do, like, his whole American spirit, like, ho, and start, like, going at you. But he was really selling what Bam Bam was doing him, and I was glad for that because Bam Bam is a fucking man, uh, and he will hurt you. And that's what happened in this match. A guy that can move very Mm. well. Uh, I think at this point, like, Duggan is not like I think the Duggan you're you're always bringing up where he doesn't sell that much is like the Duggan of the 80s uh because every time we've seen him he's been selling for people and shit it's like he's kind of like the older bit like high mid card superstar from the 80s I mean he was like a a big guy in the territories and stuff too Mm -hmm. but it's like he's older now and shit so he maybe that's kind of like what they're going for with him I just, I I just was never a fan of the Hulk up thing. So like I get I'm not really either. I I roll my eyes when Tatanka does his fucking native buffalo walk when he's when he, when he his war dance. It's kind of funny because like we kind of liked Tatanka pretty well at first. Mm-hmm. It's like after we saw him in several matches, it's like he's kind of limited in what he really does. <laughs> he's he's got his 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 things he goes to the well for. Which, you know, when we get to that match, I, I I think Lex carried Tatanka in that match, in my opinion, to make it what it was. Um, I think so, too, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, here with uh, Hacksaw and Bam Bam, uh, like, Bam Bam did his share of selling, too. Like, Doug clotheslined him, and he, like, I almost would say Bam Bam oversold the clothesline because <laughs> he, like, bounced on the mat and was like, oh, shit, like, he bounced back up from being hit. It was like, Shh, damn, how hard did he hit him? Yeah, I thought Jim Duggan, like, took out his tooth, like, that's because when he, like, did the promo later, he was missing a tooth, and I was like, wait, did fucking Duggan do that? But apparently he was already missing. <laughs> He's already missing a tooth. <laughs> he does all those fucking headbutts in the flying headbutt. Uh, I'm trying to think, yeah, you, you talked about the spot where he was selling his ribs. It's like he threw Duggan in the corner, and he, when he hit the corner, he was like, oh, shit, and he, like, almost collapsed. 
Mm-hmm. And then Duggan's like throwing these punches. He's trying to fight him. And he goes for like a body slam, but he can't execute it because he's hurt. Yeah. That's when he starts headbutting shit out of him. They trade blows for a while, and then Bam Bam rakes the eyes, and he does some shit. He misses a running headbutt. And I think Duggan goes for the body slam again, but he like he collapses and Bam Bam just falls on him for two. Yeah, and Hacksaw actually bit him. A lot of faces were biting in his fucking pay per view. Yeah, some I don't know something about the WWF baby faces from like the eighties. They would a lot of them would do cheap shit like that. Like they bite, they bend the rules a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hogan would always do the back rake, which is fucking weird because that's like a heel move. <laughs> it's just, I, I never could figure that out. I'm like, why is Hogan back raking people when he's like in the eighties and he's 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 a full bore he's full bore, he's the big Hulk Hogan. Um let's see, Duggan goes for the he he finally body slams him and then he goes for the three point stance deal, but bam bam dodges it and he hits the turnbuckle and he just hits the headbutt and gets three. Mm-hmm. Short and sweet. It was okay. What'd you give it? I gave it 5.5 out of 10. Man, I'm too generous. I actually thought it was a decent match. I gave it a 7.1 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you felt that way about it, it's cool. It's like I said, remember, if I say something's 5, that doesn't mean it's bad. That just means it was, it was okay to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, there is some that I just fucking hated, and we'll get to that. Um, what do you call it? I This segment... What did they say? I, I was like, oh, God, they're actually having a fucking tag match in this fucking pay-per-view. I was tired at that point, but we'll, they, they're they kind of doing a promo on how they're the best. Oh, yeah, so it, they had Terry Taylor doing interviews, which I thought was weird. The rooster. <laughs> and then, like, he was, like, he was way out of rooster gimmick at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's doing, this is an exclusive interview for Coliseum Video, and he's talking to the Smoking Guns and the Steiners. And they're going to have an eight-man tag match later with fucking Money, Inc. and uh, Head Shrinkers. Kind of off topic a little bit. On eBay, how much are the Coliseum v- VHS tapes? Are they a lot of money? Um, Some of them fetch uh, a little bit more than I think you might want to pay for one. But mm. they're not, like, out of the realm of possibility, I'll say. I'm thinking about collecting them. Me too, because sometimes I get pissed off about, like, how they get... F- the show gets fucked up on like the networks and stuff. And I want the, I thought, I seriously thought about that too. And I want the original theme songs too. But, uh, anyway, the promo was just them like saying they're the best, right? <laughs> Why they, yeah, it was a real basic promo. Like he, he asked them the smoking guns about like their finisher. They call it the revolver, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, we think we can beat anybody if we hit that move. And then like, he goes to ask Scott something, and then, like, Rick just hijacks the mic time and just start, he starts barking like a dog and just, he says some kind of shit about how he's going to beat up fucking Ted DiBiase. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite thing is I'm watching this promo, and I'm like, man, S- Scott was tame back then. Like, what, you know, he wasn't the genetic freak that he is now. Um, but, like, uh, Rick seemed more what Scott is, you know, when he was in his heyday of just yelling into the mic. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, Scott, Scott's still real big at, at this point in time. Mm-hmm. 
but like, yeah, he, he's not quite big pop and pop. And yeah, he his his personality is is not there yet. And I don't know. I always joke that like Scott Steyer did steroids and got a personality out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it just so happened to be when he became humongous, he he grew a personality at the same time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, it was it was a real basic kind of a nothing interview. Um, and then we go to the narcissist Lex Luger, I guess Tataka. Mm-hmm. And this thing happens in the beginning where like Luger, they're still doing the thing where he gets the mirror and he's like posing and shit. And that weird cheesy music's playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then another referee comes to the ring and he's talking to the one for this match. They're, this goes on for a little bit. And then the commentary team starts talking about Luger's arm, how he's got like that plate in his arm. And he's been knocking people out with his forearm. Yeah. Uh, and then Finkel gets on the mic and he says, as per Jack Tony, if Luger doesn't wear this elbow pad, then he's disqualified from competition. And of course, Luger's like, what? No, no. Which I didn't understand because keep in mind, I know why they had Fink, uh, Howard Finkel to announce it so that everybody knows what's going on. But at the same time, like, wouldn't Lex get fucking pissed off at the referee? Be like, yeah, you better put this on or you're going to get DQ'd. Like, he waited until Finkel said something. <laughs> and well, then he well, freaked then, out. After that, like, he yeah, he got mad. And then the referee's like, you need to put this on. And he, you're going to get disqualified, brother. Like, after after it got announced. Mm. And then he like, kind of sat there with it. Like, and he's like, and the camera was like on him. He's like, fuck. <laughs> he puts it on and he just, you know. He, he fucking obeys the ruling and the crowd pops for it too, by the way. They were like, yeah. <laughs> they, got that, they got that whole arm plate thing over. I mean, they, they were going on with, about that with him for a while. Uh, and then Tatanka runs out and he tries to attack Lex Luger and then Luger just throws him out of the ring so he can continue posing. There was, <laughs> there was times like... The mirror was in the match for like at least a minute and a half. Because uh, yeah. Tatanka runs in and the bell rings. And I'm like, wait, why is the bell ring? There's a mirror in the fucking middle of the ring. And there okay. was there was a part where the referee could have took the mirror and like threw it to the side. But like, no, they had to do the angle where uh, Tatanka throws the mirror, which I'm like, that's a DQ. <laughs> he should be he didn't want to break the mirror. He would have got bad luck. Yeah. If, can you imagine if you're a referee with bad luck for seven years in that fucking federation? Oh my god! Mm-hmm. After all the ref bumps you'd be taking, all the crazy shit that would happen to you. It must have been that like not glass thing because it looked like it was like a reflection, but like plastic. It looked like funhouse mirror. Yeah. Material. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Tonka starts. Yeah, he throws the mirror at Luger. He's like, "Oh, he like oversells the mirror, chops <laughs> <laughs> him." Mean, Luger does the infamous oaf through through this match several times. Yeah. <laughs> Lex was selling that clothesline. Oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, what do you guys say about this one? Uh, he was striking with the elbow, which, by the way, I was like, to titanium or not titanium, that elbow was fucking sick. <laughs> and, and Tatanka, like, kind of shook it off a little bit. Uh, there was a lot of cradles and roll-ups. Uh, I wrote Tatanka Mania. That's when he started doing his war dance. I was like, oh, I roll. Um, and then there was a... I cr- love that shit, though, when he does it. Mm-hmm. 
know, the crowd's still conditioned for for like that kind of a comeback, I guess. Yeah. Power slam from Lex. I what I really liked at the ending is that like they they drew it out like I was like, "Oh my god, who's going to win this?" I was actually not I didn't know who was going to win. So the whole time didn't Yeah, cuz I was like is Tatanka gonna win? Is he gonna like win on a, like a cheesy roll up and Lex is gonna get crazy? Uh, and I was like, wait a second, is Lex gonna like cheat and like take down the elbow pad and hit him and then go for the pin? None of that happened. The time limit just went out, and I was like, huh. I was like, okay. And then he gets had... over the fact that hey, there's a time limit and it can run out. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike some people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I fucking love this part. Like they didn't, I don't. You didn't mention this, but they do another picture in picture thing with Bam Bam, mm-hmm. and then Jr. Like, Who would you like to face? And he just blurts out, "I want the Indian." <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I remember that. Yeah. And then, like the whole time, like fucking Heenan's making a bunch of Indian jokes and shit. It's just like some of it's like, God damn, you could not say this shit now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, um, Bam Bam would have been canceled by saying, I want the Indian. Yeah. <laughs> he just got straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Of course, they'd been feuding. They, they'd been feuding on Superstars and on Raw a little bit. Yeah. Um, And then yeah, this is where he says, uh, he says Bam Bam's great, great grandfather was Buffalo Bill Bigelow, and he used to scalp them all. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, I could not say that. <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, Tataka's like doing a bunch of holds through this match to like Luger, and then he finally breaks out. Like he works his arm for like a really long time, mm-hmm. and then like Luger finally breaks out and he starts kicking him and doing shoulder thrusts. And he starts dropping elbows on his midsection, like with the 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 titanium plate. Dude, those elbows were fucking like crazy. Like he had some height and shit when he would drop them. Like sit there and like position himself perfectly and just go boom. It's like driving into his chest. Mm-hmm. It looked good. Um, he's doing like some backbreaker, rib breaker. So he's like concentrating on his midsection kind of thing. I wrote uh, I, I wrote this down as well as like when you know WCW Nitro Lex Luger. I fucking hated his matches. But fucking WWF narcissist matches. I kind of like. He's been pretty solid. Like, I don't think, like, well, we'll get to that because we're about to finish the match here, at least what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Luger had a pretty good run in his first WCW run, too. He was kind of learning on the job there a little bit, but he got to the point to where he, he got it, and then he was having, like, you know, he was in the Four Horsemen for a bit. And he was having like high profile matches with like Sting and like Ric Flair and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm kind of interested to see what Luger was like in his first WCW run because a lot of people talk about how surprisingly good he was back then. I watched Lex Luger like a little bit after when he showed up in that Mall episode. Um, when you know that was his height. I think, in my opinion, but like when he did the whole WC, uh, the NWO angles, I was like, yeah. Like, I'm not gonna lie. When I was a, 
when I was a young one back then, and I was watching that stuff as it was playing out, I used to hate Lex Luger. And I can't tell you why. You know how sometimes you just don't like somebody? Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter if like they were a heel or not. You just fucking hate that guy or whatever. That's kind of like what it was with me and Lex Luger. Oh, as a child, <laughs> as a child, I hated his face. I thought his face didn't match his body, and I just fucking hated him. And like, what weird staked face, like something about his his facial structure. Mm-hmm. And, but like now, as an adult, it's like he, yeah, he just kind of has a very distinct face, and sometimes he's a little awkward. But like. It, especially like promo stuff. Like you ever see the thing where he can't get the shirt off of him and he fucks up his promo. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. But like, like honestly, like in the ring, like for what I've seen, Alex Luger, he's pretty solid. He's, he's not bad. Um, I still think they went in the wrong direction wanting to push him where he's getting ready to get that push very soon. Mm-hmm. The Lex express and everything. They should have kept Luger heel fighting people like Bret Hart and uh, whoever else they want to position as a baby face right now. I, I have a feeling if they would have pushed Lex against Bret, I don't, would we ever get Bret versus Sean? And have- yeah, because at that point in time, they weren't like Bret was main event and Sean was mid card, mm-hmm. you know, and <clears throat> Sean was mid card status for at least another year or so. So they don't. They didn't really start crossing paths that much until again, I think until like ninety late ninety five and ninety six. Well, again, we wouldn't know really if that would go down, even though like the Lex and stuff and uh, Brett were, you know, before the Shans uh, getting pushed. Because what if Lex and Brett were actually a fucking amazing rival, and it was like borderline Hulk Hogan warrior stuff. Well, I think the matches would have been better than that for sure. But like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. It's just I would have dumped the whole the over the top narcissist thing. Yeah, and just have Lex Luger be kind of be Lex Luger a little bit, and then like I don't know. You could do whatever you want with him. You can have him be solo. There was that thing where later on he joined Money Inc. because Ted DiBiase retired from uh, in ring. Uh. I think that's happening really soon for him. He just kind of became a manager after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you could have Ted DiBiase manage him or something. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. He could feud with Brett for a little bit, like a few months. Cause I don't know what in all Brett really gets into. I can't remember everything after a certain point. He's getting into feud with Lawler. Mm-hmm. Obviously, <laughs> but like, 94 like what he's doing in like 94 i can't besides owen i don't know i can't really remember yeah but um not much else to say about this match <laughs> we went into like other shit instead of talking about this match i'm gonna <laughs> say something about it uh it starts it's kind of it gets drawn out a little bit i think they spent too much time with like tatanka doing arm bars and stuff is yeah weird. uh they should have just had more of a kind of a big power guy match a little bit. I think I think Lex should have uh controlled the whole match from beginning to end and just have Tatanka <laughs> I don't know, get the native spirit and just like hang in there until the time limit happened or 
if if anything, have Lex win by cheating by hitting with uh, bringing the elbow pad down and hit, get the elbow in there, and then go for the win. Uh, but I'm okay with it. I had fun watching it, and I also liked at the end where Lex is like, "Yeah, just give me five more minutes." <laughs> and I to, thought he might have gotten it. Honestly, <laughs> like it almost came off like he was gonna get it, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, honestly, I like I like the part where they started talking about the time limit coming up and it's like they kicked it into that gear and they were kind of having the match i was talking about that they should have had the whole time Mm -hmm. uh but they wanted to do the time limit draw with somebody and they got picked to do it with them uh yeah they they go into doing some power spots like tataka's hitting power clotheslines and fucking power slams and chops and this this is what got me he did his finish to luger and he kicked out of it he mm-hmm. did the top rope tomahawk chop thing, and he kicked out at two. It wasn't even like he barely kicked out. He fucking forcefully kicked out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's – no, I've not seen anybody kick out of that yet. Uh, and then Tataka goes for a crossbody, misses, and then Luger hits a clothesline. He does a suplex and a backbreaker, and he does a power slam. And then he's just doing – he's punching him, and then the time runs out. Yeah. <laughs> And I love Lex's, like, delayed response. Like, the bell rings, but, like, he's, like, still in the mode, and then he, like, starts freaking out. Yeah, he's too busy fucking punching him to realize the time really expired. It didn't register. <laughs> and they make good points on commentary, though, like, talking about the time limit. And he was like, well, Savage, you've been in the ring, right? Do you ever know what time it is? And he's like, can't say I do, brother. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you end up in a time warp. I actually like that they don't tell you the time because if anything that would cause a problem uh and, you know with the mind of a wrestler because like oh my god they just said 10 minutes and stuff you know could, yeah but like I like the whole thing where it's like it just ends abruptly and like fuck they they both lose and I like that I don't know yeah it, I was uh, this was okay. Uh, I guess that they didn't want Tataka or Luger to lose. And that makes sense because Tataka's over as like a mid-card babyface, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Luger's getting ready to get a gimmick change and he's going to get a main event push. Yeah. So, and then Bam Bam gets a bye all the way to the finals because of this, which I thought was like funny. I was like, wow. <laughs> he gets to rest and this is like a big guy. So it's interesting. Yeah. I gave the match a 6.7 out of 10. I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. Okay. So this is where we get the Mean Gene uh, stirring the pot promo with uh, fucking Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. Where, like, they're having, like, an interview, and it kind of looks like they're having a respect interview. And then, like, Mean Gene out of nowhere is like, what did you mean by you wanted him? Is it because he's easier to beat? And like, yeah, he just said that. And then Brett's like, no, I said, like, I prefer to wrestle per- Mr. Perfect because I respect his wrestling ability and I would prefer to have a wrestling match. And he's like, so what you're saying is you prefer to wrestle him because he's it would be easier? And he's like, no, that's not what I meant. You're taking it the wrong way. And then Perfect starts getting pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, both your dads were wrestlers. You're both second-generation wrestlers. He's like, have your, have your dads ever faced each other? And then Brett says, yeah, my dad beat Larry the Axe multiple times. <laughs> Mr. 
It's like that's not true, and then they start arguing about that. It it was very it was very childish, but like it it sold it well. I liked it. Yeah, like he just loses control of the interview after that because he start arguing and talking over him. Brett's music hits before they like he goes out, and I like that. He just has to go, and then that leaves perfect to like finish the interview time. Mm-hmm. And he he basically just says he's gonna beat Brett because he truly is a perfect wrestler. Was like, that was fun. That was a good segment. Yeah. So we get into the match. Brett the Hitman Hart versus Mr. Perfect. JR is pointing out um, that uh, Brett's fingers are hurting, but he kept on saying Macho Man a lot. You look at Macho Man's fingers, and he's like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, there was a spot uh, in the match with Razor. I don't think – I think we glossed over it, but um, it's like he – stomped on his hand or something at some point like multiple times mm-hmm. and then like just being an asshole and then like at one i think it's when brett tried to get the sharpshooter on him he like grabbed his hand and bent his fingers back to get out of it and he was like oh fuck and he like rolled over holding his hand and he, he stopped on his hand again so like yeah at that they were selling he had some injured fingers or something Brett and Mr. Perfect were doing chops to each other, and JR just screams out, What a knife edge! <laughs> Goddamn, when Perfect chops, it's ridiculous. Like, he's like the only other guy who can do chops like Ric Flair or Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. Like, people you think of it do these nasty ass fucking chops. And, like, I sometimes I actually think Mr. Perfect chop, his chops are better than Flair's. Uh, and ask for who's better, Benoit or Perfect at chopping? It might be Benoit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Mr. Perfect's is fucking close. I think um, ben- My brain is all fucked up. You think Benoit fucking chopped his kids and his family <laughs> before? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but, uh, this, this is just a fucking great, like, technical, like, wrestling match kind of thing they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they trade holds for a while and they counter each other's holds and Brett shoots perfect in the corner and he bounces out and he body slams him on the rebound, which is like, cool. I've never really seen anybody do that. But then when he goes to like grab his leg or something, like perfect kicks him in the face. And then they do, he does the same thing to him. He body slams him and then he kicks him in the face. It's like they, they traded spots or something. They do this. Sorry to interrupt you. They do this segment where they, Kind of like how today is where they do it, it seems like it's ballet, but these guys do it better because it's believable in what they do. It's very oh, and everything they do is like extra crisp, like it doesn't feel choreographed. It feels like two guys that are good wrestlers and they've been rivals in the past and they know each other's moves very well, is what it feels like. Um. And, like, the, this thing especially they keep doing where it's like, Brett keeps grounded perfect in this match. And he's doing, like, these extra crispy headlock takeovers is what I call them. <laughs> like, every time, it's like perfect will charge him, but then, like, just seamlessly, it'll be like Brett catches him in midair and, like, rolls over and puts him in this, like, really good headlock. And it's just like, damn, that's, like, that's fast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, let's see. Uh... We do some more stuff. Uh, 
Perfect starts getting vicious at a certain point where he like knocks Brett outside, like on the apron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he like holds the ropes for him to get back in. And as he's getting in, he like kicks him in the ribs, like really fast. He's like, bam, starts being cheap a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he starts laying into him. He's hitting like big knee lift and some big blows and stuff. He slams his head on the apron. And then this is like where another big spot happens where he's like, he gets him on the apron and he like kind of slingshots him the other way instead of in the ring. He forced him out further and he like landed on a bunch of Brett landed on a bunch of production equipment and he hit like the security railing. He was like, Oh shit. Yeah. It looked like, like it hurt. Well, he might've banged his knee up a little bit for real. Cause like he, it's like his knee hit a cooler. <laughs> it's like a cooler or something there. Mm-hmm. But he started selling his knee like, Oh, and geez, what else did they do? Mr. Perfect hit his missile drop kick. I've never seen him do that before. Yeah. That was cool. I always like when wrestlers will break out a move you never see them do. It's like you've seen those guys do some things. Like, I mean, they used to be better about this back then because it's like nowadays they, everybody likes to do the same shit over and over for some reason. Brett was uh, kind of sweeping the leg like a heel a little bit. Like, he probably, and I feel like this is what they were going for because Perfect was like beating him down and just doing kind of dirty shit after a point. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt like he probably needed to a little bit. See, that's kind of the difference between Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan, per se, because you'll see Hulk Hogan raking somebody's back. Yeah. For no reason, or he'll start biting somebody. Bret will get beaten down to a point to where he's like so tired and hurt that he has to do something. And it doesn't feel like it's just needlessly dirty. Well, that that goes back to like you need to watch Brett what he's doing because when he's kicking the leg, the next segment is goes into the figure four. So, and, yeah, and that segment was cool. I, I both of them were amazing in this match. Uh, where it's just like segment into segment into segment, where it's just like, oh, we got the figure four. Well, now I'm gonna put you in the perfect sleeper, and like you had that segment go on. And great that, sleeper hole, great cell. <laughs> yes, and then that goes into the atomic drop with the Russian leg sweep, which is fucking insane. I had so much popping in, in both shows because there were so many atomic drops. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was selling them like Rick Rude, but yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know who was closer. Uh, if, it's written in my notes somewhere, but someone sells it good that I like. Um. Yeah, that part where he's kicking his leg, like Brett's kicking Perfect's leg. Perfect, Mr. Perfect will do this spot with some people where it's like he's trying to get some distance from from him or some shit. He'll like he'll he'll grab the rope like he's like trying to think about what to do next real fast. Mm-hmm. And then like Brett or whoever it is will run behind him and just run and kick his knee. And Mr. Perfect will do like a backflip. <laughs> like I'll land on his knee like after doing a backflip and he's like, Oh shit. He'll try to run away and they'll do it again. Mm-hmm. That's what set up the, the figure four spot, which was cool. And then perfect. What is stomping on the fingers, uh, which was having the crowd boo a little bit. Every time Mr. Perfect was diving into heelish things, he was getting booed. And then Heenan was talking about like, if he goes back to this, I'll, I'll manage him again. <laughs> Pretty much. And they're doing this thing where this is important through through this whole deal. Uh, both guys' knees are hurting now because of all the stuff Brett just done 
to, to perfect. He didn't just do a figure four either. He started doing a bunch of other holes to his leg too. Mm-hmm. And it's to a point where like, uh, like perfect's trying to do shit. And he just collapses because his knee just gives out on him. Um, there's a spot where like he gets advantage back and then he grabs Brett by his hair and just throws him across the ring. That's <laughs> that's when he does a sleeper hold that was awesome where it looked like Brett was dying. Yeah. The only time I ever saw anybody sell, sell a sleeper better than that was Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. Remember when Joe would get him in the 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 fucking coquina clutch? Yeah. And <laughs> it's like his face would just turn red and he would start drooling. <laughs> He's like, it's like he was like literally dying. <laughs> uh, but let's see what happens here. Uh, I don't know if this is a botch or not, but I think they did this on purpose. Um, right. Where they like were both countering each other in a suplex. Like Brett was about to do a suplex, but then like fucking Mr. Perfect got into a suplex. So they were just locking on to each other. And that's why they fell out. And I think that wasn't a botch. I think that was part of the plan. No, that was the tiger mask spot. Okay. Um, tiger mask did that. And I forget who the hell he did it with in Japan, but it's he, I think, I think it was Eddie Guerrero or fucking somebody or no, it was dynamite is dynamite kid tiger mask. Why did I say Eddie Guerrero? That's because I was thinking of the, the other gimmick he used to have. Um, yeah, that's where that spot came from. Uh, Oh yeah, Brett hits his fucking European uppercut. It's gotta be like one of the worst ones I've ever seen. He, it, it comes out of nowhere too. He just like grabs perfect and he just goes, he just goes wham, and you like hear this loud slap and his head just snaps back. It's like shit. <laughs> that was great. Um, topic drop, rush leg sweep, and then he shoves him in the corner, and then he throws perfect across the ring just like he did to him earlier. So he's getting revenge. Mm-hmm. But Perfect does that thing where he like tumbles all the way across the ring and he hits his nuts on the post. Yep. <laughs> I always love that spot. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Brett goes for the backbreaker. He hits the elbow for two, the, the middle rope elbow. And then he goes for the sharpshooter. And that's when Perfect grabs his fingers and he, he stomps on his hand. Mm-hmm. And then he goes for Perfect Plex. And then Brett blocks it. And then Perfect goes for a small package instead, but then Brett reverses it at the last second. He gets three, <laughs> which I love that ending, and that put a lot of points on it. And I want to say that this was going to be my highest rated match, but it's not um, of the night. And I gave this a nine out of ten. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking ahead real quick just to see what I if I did make this. Yeah, this did edge out the later match for me, but it was, like, by just very slight. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and it was just because of, like, the preference of the action was all it was. Yeah. Uh, it's just, like, a flavor thing. I like this chocolate ice cream more than this uh, cookies and cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this match. Uh, Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart have, like, amazing chemistry together. Yes. Like when you when people talk about oh they have good chemistry it's like sometimes I don't know if people really necessarily know what really great chemistry actually looks like because mm-hmm. to me it's like this um and I think I remember in his book he was saying like they did all their matches just on the fly 
they, they didn't talk about what they were going to do, I think, other than, like, maybe the finish. They probably trust each other so much, so, like... They had a lot of respect for each other. They were, they were pretty good pretty good friends, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always thought that was really... After I've seen the matches that they have, I was, I was like, God damn, like, that's crazy you can have a match like that. Just on the fly, think about that shit. Would you give uh, this a match? I uh, gave it an 8.3 out of 10. It was really good. Indeed. Uh, and then there was, like, a... Like, Mr. Perfect was pissed off, but then, like, you thought he was going back into the ring to, like, probably heel turn on him, but it was just a shake of the hands of respect. Yeah, he was just pissed because he lost. Mm-hmm. Damn. <laughs> and, he, and he tells us later why he's pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> and still saying phase. Um, but after that, we get a promo with, <laughs> with Mean Gene, Jimmy Hart, and uh, I almost said Triple H. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Um do you insult Triple H like that? <laughs> right off the bat, I was like, man, I hope they do the whole fucking promo of just fucking Jimmy Hart's back and him just going up and down. I thought they were going to for a minute because it was like, it went on for an uncomfortable amount of time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so this is obviously the back of Jimmy Hart's jacket, the airbrush fucking jackets and shit he always wore. And then it's just like Hulk Hogan's doing a promo off screen and you just see the airbrushed Hulk Hogan face like doing this <laughs> going up and down over and over. What the fuck is this? I, I, <laughs> I was actually liking it before like it went to, you know, them talking and I was like, a Hulk Hogan promo is the same, man. It, it, he doesn't have the same flair that he had like in the eighties at all. No. And you could tell he he's he's not his brain is not a hundred percent in wrestling anymore, brother. It's all about that uh, Hollywood thunder and paradise, you know, mindset. Uh, and you could tell, like Jimmy Hart had a better fucking promo than Hulk Hogan. He was fucking screaming. His face was turning red and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it feels like Hogan's just like coasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's coasting because he's on his way out of here. Because this is, I think this is the last thing he does. Yep. Uh, they don't say that, of course. They just say, oh, Hulk Hogan's hurt, but he'll be okay, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like, it was just ridiculous. So I don't like these interviews that they've been doing since he returned. Mm-hmm. Shit. None of them since it started. It's like, Mean Gene, like, verbally fucking fillets Hogan. He's calling him perhaps the greatest hero in history. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Get out of here. What is this? And then, yeah, Hogan does the same old, like, it's just the paint-by-numbers interview. Uh, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I hate Hulk Hogan interviews, but it's just like it feels like he's phoning it in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he talks about, because we've seen him, like, his interviews from the 80s, where it's like, yeah, he says, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, the Hulk maniacs, give me my power, brother, but he'll say other stuff, too. And it's not like that anymore. Uh, he talks about how he's got like the biggest guns and we know that's not true. Looking at him. And I'm like, bro, Lex Luger's arms are bigger than yours. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I think crushes are too, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I was just like, what happened to him? 
Like, because, like, if you look at Hogan, like, he looks really different besides the fact that he's lost a bunch of muscle mass. Yeah, the, the steroid thing truly hurt him. Uh, and I I think that's why he needed the change in WCW because he couldn't be the Hulkamania that he was in WWF. That's why they had to do the third man heel turn and all that stuff. And obviously that changed his course of career. But if he would have stayed on the same Hulkamania, like, this is old. This is stupid. <laughs> this is like his face. It's just, it looks like he visibly aged like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, from like 91 or something like <laughs> and besides the fact that he's lost a bunch of muscle mass and it's like we know when he goes back to WCW he gets back on the gas mm-hmm. you know because he, he his arms get way bigger again and he gets the some people that use the steroids the, their their midsection gets kind of fleshy mm-hmm. that's kind of what happens to Hogan around that time uh, and I'm not despair. That's that whole steroid thing. My whole attitude about that's always been like, it's fucking wrestling. They're not having a competition. Yeah. If they just want to do it to like enhance their, what, what the fuck ever. It <laughs> it's, made, no it's no different from using fucking using alcohol or drugs or whatever. You know, what's funny is like in the early nineties, they had the scandal, but you know, at some point WWF probably had to roid up some people. Uh, during the Attitude Era, because that's when WCW came around, and then Hulk Hogan was bulking up, and a lot of people were going to WCW and looking big. Look at fucking um, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. He went from that. You know he's on the gas. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I'm not saying, like, you should do it crazy and have a heart attack, like most of these wrestlers do. Just don't fucking mix cocaine and shit. But, like, when cocaine was mixed with roids in the 80s and, you know, the late 90s, oh, boy, that was the best wrestling we had. Every t- When they were off it, it's kind of like, man, these are lame people when they don't have the roids and cocaine. That's like that meme I would see about the Olympics and how they're like, no drugs are allowed. It's like, can we get, like, a separate Olympics where they're allowed to do, like, every enhancement ever mm-hmm. just to see what happens? Just, just out of curiosity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I digress, though, because now we're getting to the world title match, Yokozuna versus Hulk Hogan, with Jimmy Hart, and with Mr. Fuji, respectively. What did you think about this match? Because I don't have a lot of notes, because Hulk, Hulk Hogan is predictable, and so is Yoko. Um... Yoko, yeah, Yoko kind of does bring out some stuff here. Uh, I I just point out his scoop slam, his chops. Uh, Yoko's obviously a little bit stronger than Hogan. Um, Hulk Hogan was biting Yokozuna. That's another face doing uh, heelish things, but Hulk Hogan's used used to that. What did Yokozuna do that was heelish? Nothing. He did nothing. He just beat his ass. Yes. <laughs> I just want to point that out. <laughs> if you count the ending as like a paid off reporter from Japan. Um, to shoot a fireball out of his camera. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. This match is where my brain kind of shuts off because I don't need to know anything. I don't need to keep my eyes glued. I could literally turn my head like this and know what's happening on screen what's being commentated it's true 
kind of, and this goes back to us talking about Hogan phoning it in uh, and shit, because it's like, you could say the same thing about a lot of his other matches from the previous years in this company, but there would be more oomph behind it because of the, the angle or the promos would get you into it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Hogan could have a pretty decent, fun little match, even though it's like his style, depending on who he's up against, like Macho Man or something. Yeah. Um, I watched it because I knew this was going to be the last match he has in the WWF for several years. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I'm going to see how this goes because I've never seen him actually fight Yokozuna outside of the the WrestleMania thing where he interferes and just gets a match because. <laughs> Uh, so I, I didn't write a lot about it because it wasn't that long and there wasn't that much to talk about. Uh, like they lock up a couple times and then like Yoko flings Hogan across the ring and he's chopping him and he's throat thrusting him and stuff. And it's like Yoko. Yeah. He's kind of got his pattern too, but depending on who he's working with, that can change it some. Obviously he can't get too creative with Hogan because he's like, that, he's going to do that. That doesn't work for me, brother. You know, Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to trust Yoko to like not destroy him, uh, which apparently Yoko is really good at controlling himself in terms of that. <laughs> it's like if he liked you and you did the bonsai drop to you, you wouldn't even fucking feel it. If he didn't like you, you would feel <laughs> it. You would feel it. <laughs> but uh, see, he throws Hulk in the corner. He does the the avalanche thing. You know where he charges and he hits him with the hip. That shit always looks good when he does that. Mm-hmm. Like that looks way better than like when Big Show ever did it or anybody like that. He's just got that speed still, where he's not terribly huge. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's where that's where Hogan starts biting him because he tries to fight his way out of the corner, and then he starts. Uh, he throws him in the corner. He does a clothesline. He tries to do a body slam, but he can't lift him. He tries it several times, and he can't lift him. And they go, like, Hogan leaned down. He's mean and lean. That was a bad idea, maybe, because Yokozuna gained 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's lean and mean now, guys. (laughs) Uh, See, Yoko takes control, and he flattens Hogan with a clothesline. He he starts bear-hugging him. This starts getting, like, big USA chants. Yeah. Then Hogan's punching his way out, and he's throwing bombs, and Yokozuna's staggering a little bit, and he does the clothesline. But then, like, he tries to clothesline him again because he doesn't knock him down. Yoko just elbows him. Bear hugs him again. But then he just belly-to-belly suplexes him, too. It's Yoko's belly-to-belly suplex is great. I was surprised Hulk Hogan took a belly-to-belly suplex. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and H- H- Hogan sold it well, too, because when he got <laughs> that belly-to-belly suplex, Hogan started convulsing like he was being tasered. Like, oh, 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 brother. <laughs> uh, but then, like, I think he goes to do something, and then Hogan gets up and he starts hulking up. He starts, doing, like, doing the fucking shit. And he's trying to hit him, and he's not selling it, and he's shaking. And he does the U, mm. the one, two, three punch. And he does, he hits the big boot quotations. I always say big boot because it looks like the least impactful big boot I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, he just, he like throws a guy into the ropes and then he just kind of lifts his leg up and they run into it. Mm-hmm. It's not very, you know, 
there's several people that do that move better. It, the times are moving on. Like back then, you can get away with that stuff where it's like, oh, he runs into the boot and then leg drop. Which, oh, but so, yeah, he was so over that people could just look past that. Which, by the way, like my brain, because like when you have someone like a Yoko or a Rakishi or whatever, like big fat dude that does a leg drop. I'd be like, yeah, that that could be a finish. Like with Hulk Hogan, I never took his leg drop seriously. I always thought that was like one of the weakest finishers for somebody who was like super over. Mm-hmm. I never really liked that leg drop either as a finish. It's weird. Like Ultimate Warrior kind of had a shitty finish too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he press slam a guy. Like a press slam is pretty impressive, but then he just does a splash. Like a standing jump in the air splash, and that finishes the guy. I'm like, really? <laughs> uh, somebody like Yokozuna could do that move and finish somebody. <laughs> yeah, because it's like a fucking 500 pound ass fucking dropping on you. And when he hits the mat, the fucking like ring like bounces, and it just looks like it killed him. It's like <laughs> God. Anyway, uh, he's doing the big boot, but he doesn't go down, so he has to hit it two more times. <laughs> <laughs> then he hits the leg drop, and then Yokozuna powers out of the leg drop. Mm-hmm. And then he gets ready to attack him again, but then there's like this weird guy on the apron who <laughs> it's like photographers don't usually get up. And I'm, when I say photographers, I mean guy with the camera taking pictures, not fucking the guy with, with the camera capturing the video for the pay per view. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to say? This this angle I would have shot differently. I understand why they did it because for some strange reason Vince and whoever is in the production company was Kevin Dunn around this time. I think so, yeah. Yeah. They always got to make it obvious be like this doesn't seem right. This person right here is being suspicious. Like if I wanted to make it like very kayfabe and like crazy like, I would have had the the photographers where they normally are and just have Hulk Hogan just, like, laying down all, uh, hurt on the ground. And then that guy with the picture takes the picture and you see the fireball come out. And then you have fucking Yoko do the bonsai drop and then get the pin for the one, two, three. And then you would have everybody being like, yo, what the fuck happened? Like, that guy just, a fireball came out of his light. Or maybe his light malfunctioned where it, like, sparked Hulk Hogan. You remember when people had cameras back then? Like, they'd take pictures and just launch a fireball out of it by accident? (laughs) (laughs) But, like... I imagine, like, that's what some Zoomers would say if they saw that or some shit. Yeah, but what, what takes me out is, one, he's wearing, like, a goofy, like, Adidas fucking jacket... He, he's like he's obviously a fake photographer he has like a big humongous beard mm-hmm. and japanese people that's the thing they said he was a japanese photographer japanese people don't have beards like that they never did really <laughs> I, I think it's one of those events like he saw an anime and he's like oh, look at that old guy with a really long beard <laughs> and then- i'm sure vince watched an anime it's just like <laughs> Uh, but like Jimmy Hart, like grabbing the leg and stuff was like, ah, uh, it's like I, I would have done this differently. But I understand yeah. in the '90s you have to make it obvious. Like it could have been like that guy. Like this is how I would have done it. I would have had it to where that guy like climbs up to the corner, like he's kind of hanging out on the turnbuckle. He's like, I just he, he. It's like he's really wanting to get this shot or something. Mm-hmm. And then like 
you don't obviously see it. Cause that's the thing. You're right. WWE has always done this thing where they really milk this whole, Oh, that guy is doing something suspicious. You, you have to clearly see it because they think you're dumb or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead it's like Hogan's busy trying to do something and maybe he kind of goes back to that corner and then maybe you see like out of camera shot you see like a guy reach and tap his shoulder oh and then like the the fireball happens you see it happen yeah oh brother and he falls down and gets leg dropped (laughs) ironically he gets leg dropped and he gets pinned Mm -hmm. and that's what happens uh what'd you get i like uh, oh, uh, <clears throat> what, what did I write here? Uh, oh, after after the match was over, they, they drag Hogan to the corner and Yokozuna bonsai drops him. Yes. Which is great. Uh, it was what it was. I'm glad Yokozuna's champion. Hogan is played out in a shell of his former self. The finish was cool, despite the fact that it was like, obviously, oh, that's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. I like the fireball out of the camera. I remember that from like when I was a kid. Uh, like it's burned into my memory because it's like that's fucking crazy looking when you see it happen. Mm-hmm. I give it a five point three out of ten though, mostly because the spectacle of it of Hogan's fighting a, a monster heel and he loses. Yeah, and like Yokozuna's, I like Yokozuna. And the finish was cool. That's that's pr- pretty much why I gave it a 5.3 out of 10. Yeah, I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. I was like, I'm happy for Yoko. He he's finally has... Which, by the way, like they were bringing up the shortest reign champion. I'm like, yeah, if you think about it, it had a 40-minute match and it had the championship for two minutes. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, f- for 15 minutes or whatever. Um, and I was like... Yeah, finally, we're going to get to see some Yoko reign of champion right now. Um, and I liked how Bobby Heenan sold uh, Hulkamania losing. He said, Hulkamania is dead. Look at all the crying children. <laughs> and I love, like, right after he said that, like, they weren't crying, but, like, they were, try- they were literally trying to find the closest kid that is looked like crying and stuff there was a kid that looked distraught yeah and then there was a kid that looked like confused yeah like he probably still he's not real sure what he just saw because again that's a crazy finish like when have you ever seen a fireball fly out of a camera like if you're five like how do you react to that like, <laughs> like what oh shit but um Let's see. Oh, yeah, Terry Taylor. They do another one of these Coliseum video things with Terry Taylor. Mm-hmm. It's Mr. Perfect. And he asks him how he's feeling. And he's like, I'm not feeling great. I lost and I'm hurt. But Bret Hart's a great wrestler. He's like, but watch out for Mr. Perfect. Because I'm going to keep being perfect. And he pretty much tells everybody to leave him alone. <laughs> it's short, sweet. It's just, it, is, it was what it was. Then we had uh, Mean Gene with HBK. Is that right? He's insurance policy. Yeah. And they, they, they actually name him this time. He's Diesel. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Bean Gene's like, what is his name? And he's like, the insurance policy. He's like, no, he's, he has to have a name. <laughs> like, like, he kind of, like, shuns Shawn Michaels a little bit. And he's like, no, let the big men talk. But then, like, Shawn Michaels is like, no, that's, I'll tell you his name. It's Diesel. And I forgot he's what he said. He, he, he's like, he, it's like, Diesel, he runs off Diesel power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Which is odd because they've been doing this thing where they would do Mean Gene interviewing, then it would go into the next match. But we didn't get that this time. We got we go right into the smoking guns and Steiners versus Money Inc. and Head Shrinkers. Real quick, I want to give Shawn Michaels props. Okay. Because he says, like, he, G, me, G wonders if Lightning will strike twice because he's talking about how Hogan just lost the title. Mm-hmm. And Shawn's like, uh, I don't. I don't worry about stuff like that. Lightning's not going to strike twice. And he's like, besides, Hulk Hogan is a dinosaur, and HBK is a higher caliber superstar than the Hulkster. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, get him, get him, shot. <laughs> he's like, he's getting his shots in before later on when he doesn't get to beat him at SummerSlam, and so he like, you know, fucking embarrasses him. <laughs> uh, but yeah. We get that eight-man tag now. Uh, I, I wrote, so. here's my notes. Why, 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 and why? I'm like, Money, Inc. is the fucking tag champions. Why aren't they putting that shit on the line? Why are we? Because they're paying off Jack Tony. Oh, I... <laughs> this... I don't know. <laughs> I wrote one thing. I said Fat 2's fucking super kick was fucking great. Because Fatoon is fucking awesome. That's all I wrote. I mean, like, there's great people in this match. It's just this match feels thrown together. And I I didn't really write that many notes for this at all. Actually, I wrote, I won't lie, I zoned out a little on this match. Oh, I definitely zoned out. I watched it, like, to get a basic idea of what happened. But honestly, nothing really happened in it that much. It was weird. Like, they did spots, but it was like... It's like they they were just killing time. This was just to be a buffer mm-hmm. after that that earth shattering world title match. That's what that was supposed to be. Uh, Ted did a lot of selling and he did a lot of work in this match. Billy Gunn looked great every time he gets in. He looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted DiBiase got the million dollar dream on Billy and he let go of the hold for some reason. And he Billy was like dead. <laughs> it's like he lost consciousness. <laughs> And then he's like gloating and shit. And then Billy gets a small package and he gets three. That, that's it. Like between before in between and after all that kind of stuff, there's guys tag in, hit a couple moves and tag out really quick. I don't even think Scott Steiner got in the match. No, yeah, see, he didn't even get in any of this on him. <laughs> I think he did one Frankensteiner and that's it. I gave us, uh, I'm, I, I'm actually going to score this lower. <laughs> I gave it something a little higher, but like after reading that and talking about what happened, it's like really it was kind of nothing. I just gave it a middle down the road. I said it's five out of ten. All these guys are great, but at the same time, I already seen this on Raw. Just it was more goofier on Raw. It just without the talking and without the eating the money thing. Yeah, so I gave it a five as well. Um, is this the other interview you were talking about here? Well, the the one line is on Raw, but this one I thought was funny, too, because Yoko and Mr. Fuji are talking with uh, Mean Gene, and President Jack Tani's there. Uh, and I wrote down, so there was controversial with the whole Hulk Hogan facing Yoko at Mania, but a reporter shooting a fireball, Jack Tani has nothing to say. He just congratulates Yoko. It was all a plot to get rid of Hulk Hogan. 
that that that's the conspiracy. And there's gonna be a celebration, and it's gonna be uh, at an American monument. And the, the whole time, I'm like, "What are they going to fucking Hawaii, Pearl Harbor? <laughs> Is that where?" Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then then the next match is Crush and Shawn Michaels with Diesel for the Intercontinental Title. Mm-hmm. And this was okay to me, <clears throat> actually. I was impressed. Yeah, like Crush looked pretty good in this match, actually. Whereas, like every other time I've seen him, I thought he was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, like starts off pretty basic, like Crush gets a headlock, but then Shawn Michaels gets an arm bar, and then they shoot off, and Crush, like, leapfrogs Shawn twice, which I've never seen him do. I kind of wonder if Kevin Nash probably taught some pointers for Crush. Um, I don't know, uh, because I, I don't really think they've ever ran across each other before up, up to this point. Oh, uh, I mean... Crush wrestles differently from him anyway. Well, I'm talking like backstage stuff. Maybe, maybe they were just like, well, maybe Shawn Michaels said something like, "Hey, brother, um, just just grab me around and do like military presses and like fucking throw me out of the ring and shit." It'll look cool. I think, it's, I think this had more to do with Shawn because at this at this point in his career, this is like before he becomes an asshole, mm-hmm. and he he's seems to be all about doing like cool spots to like look make it look like the other guy is awesome or some shit. Mm-hmm. And he'll oversell stuff in that in that right way. <laughs> uh, he hits like two big drop kicks, and he causes Sean to just fly out of the ring because like a guy that big doing a drop kick to a guy that's smaller than him that'd fuck you up. Did HBK <laughs> hit his head on the apron? Uh, I don't think so. I uh. think he he just does it in that way where it looks like he does. Mm-hmm. And then Crush keeps taking him down, and he's doing an arm drag and a military press. Mm-hmm. And he shoots Sean off. He does a tilt the world backbreaker. That was awesome. And then Sean's like dead after that move. It's like he just lost consciousness. <laughs> and then Diesel grabs him and just drags him out of the ring. <laughs> and that's when stuff gets gets sideways. Crush goes out to confront him, and then like Sean rolls back into the ring, goes back the other way around, and throws his head in the post. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Diesel's distracted the referee, and then Sean grabs his head and just starts slamming his head, the back of his head to the post. Yeah, and this is what kind of throws me off, because, like, Bobby the Brain Heenan is like, yeah, just leave him out there, get counted out, he just fucking killed him. He's like, you just bash his head on this steel, but, like, HBK goes out and puts him back in the ring, because he wants to beat him cleanly. I'm like... He's a cocky asshole. Yeah, but I'm like... I guess it's, and that's it, what they were trying to sell too about it. Why he did that? Why he didn't? He wouldn't do what a typical heel usually would. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of the doink spot? Like they're still pushing this crush doink storyline. That's kind of where like it went down a little bit for me because everything up to this point I liked. Like, they were working well together. Crush was doing a lot of cool offense, actually, for once. Mm-hmm. And, like, the other thing about this match was Crush didn't come across dumb in this match either. Until the doinks came out. Until every time he gets involved with doink, it's like he looks stupid. And, and it happened again. Like, they do some other cool action. Like, he grabs the front face. Shaw grabs the front face lock, and Crush keeps picking him up. 
and <laughs> just throwing them across the ring. Mm-hmm. Like that was cool. And then God, there was that nasty thing where he like uh, he tries it a third time and he does it and he throws Sean onto the ropes and it looked like his head snapped back. Yeah, that was cool. Like I kind of I I think that might have fucked him up a little bit. That didn't look quite plain to me. <laughs> But uh, he was okay, I guess. I guess he laid there. And he was like, "Can I move?" Yeah, okay, I'm good. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but then, like, Crush is recovering because he's kind of got his ass kicked a little bit there. Sean goes to the turnbuckle. And he tries to do something. He just sidesteps him and slams him into the mat. Mm-hmm. He hits a big drop, backdrop, and a backbreaker. And that's when Doink comes out. He comes out, and there's two Doinks smoking cigars, both of them. I, I was surprised by that. I'm like, you're smoking cigars. Whoa. <laughs> and then they go to the ring and they just smoke. It's like they're mirroring each other. They're doing everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then Crush is like, hey, bruh, stop, bruh. And then Sean, like, well, he super kicks him in the back of the head while he's distracted. And wins. And wins. And this is what pisses me off. Like, the doink thing didn't even piss me off that much compared to this. This motherfucker got super kicked in the back of the head where he's had, he ate pole through the back of his head. He was just slamming his head to the metal pole and everything. And and that fucked him up. Like he sold that through the whole match. Mm -hmm. And then like when a guy kicked, when you get hit in the back of the head with anything, that's going to fuck you up. It could potentially knock you out. Mm -hmm. But no, he he gets up immediately after eating a guy's finish on the back of his head and runs. And I'm like, you, you just buried his finish. Yeah, because WWE or WWF back then had this thing where you have to like show the face chasing off after the comedy heel in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they were doing. Um, I liked it. I was impressed by Crush. I when I saw Crush come out. Or when this match was being announced again, I was like, uh, I was like, after seeing that tag match, and now I gotta see Crush. I was going into this match being like, man, this is gonna, HPK is gonna carry him. It's gonna be a short match or whatever because Diesel's gonna do something. No, but it was a, it was a long match, and surprisingly I, pretty good. Yeah, I gave it just a six point nine out of ten. I gave it a six point four. Okay. Um, it's like I said, this is the best I've ever seen Crush look. Uh, but the doinks rear their ugly heads again to ruin Crush. <laughs> yeah, we get we get that Bam Bam interview where he's just screaming on like how he's gonna beat Bret Hart. Uh, sleeves. Yeah. And he I was like, what, did Mean Gene just catch him coming out of the bathroom? Like <laughs> He just got done pissing, he was mad. Yeah. Him and his uh, missing tooth, and he just goes off screen. And then we get the uh, bam, 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 bam intro. It's his music. Mm-hmm. Then he's coming out. He's angry. He's ready. He's he's rested up because he had a a buy in his bracket, and comes out. Bret Hart selling all the matches that he's been in, limping to the to the ring. And that's when I had respect. I was like, this man is selling those matches. Most people today, they'll like sell for like a minute and then act like they just got their energy back by like a Call of Duty game where you just regenerated. Yeah, it, it's their time. It's time to get a comeback. So they regenerated. Mm-hmm. Fuck. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that's kind of the story of this match, though. Is like Brett's fucked up and tired, and Bam Bam is fresh, basically, because he he had a match really early in the night, and it wasn't that long, and it wasn't like he struggled that much to beat him, Mm -hmm. to beat Hacksaw. So he's pretty much fresh again. (laughs) And it was really good. I was surprised by how good this was, actually. Not that I was saying, like, underestimating Bam Bam. It's just I've never seen him wrestle Bret Hart. Me either. So I know they had several matches. and I think these guys, based off this match, and I think I can remember Bret talking about wrestling Bam Bam, apparently they worked pretty well together, too. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to say about this one? Um, they Brett definitely sold like even if he didn't go through to his matches, I think he would have sold anything that Bam Bam was doing because he was hitting those bear hugs, and like in the back of my mind, like man, Brett just went through those matches. Now he's getting you know Bam Bam bear hug, and it looked like it was hurting him, and I I like that. Um. Bam Bam did some fucking suplexes that looked like they murdered Bret Hart. Um, the way he was fucking pounding that suplex. Oh. He had the enough weight, because I think they were saying he weighs close to 400 pounds. It's kind of like when Vader does that move, too. He, he does that high back suplex as well sometimes. Mm-hmm. When he hits it, it's like, fuck, that looks bad. <laughs> yeah. It's similar kind of thing, yeah. Fucking Bam Bam throws Brett outside of the ring. I wrote down, I said, wow, Brett is fucking taking a lot of bumps in this night. And that's a big bump for Brett. Some people recognize it, uh, but, like, Brett's really good at selling, like, getting his ass kicked. Like, you just believe, like, he's fucking tired, he's hurt, he can barely move. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, when he gets in holds and stuff, too, it's just like, you... you you buy into him actually being tired and hurt. <laughs> um, I wrote Brett getting on the ring post. That was cool. Bam, bam. Uh, I wrote down, there was a bam, bam, pigolo sign. Did you see that? <laughs> I saw that. I, I, I thought I was going to write something about that. And I think I forgot. Cause I was just watching. What'd you think of Luna's chair shot? It looked really weak. Yeah, it did look really weak. I, like, I don't mind her interfering and hitting a chair, but like, it was like she didn't, she couldn't swing it hard enough, kind of a thing. I thought Sherry was going to come out. <laughs> I almost expected it, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't mind her interfering. It was fine. Brett sold it like a fucking champion. Yeah. You know? He was like, oh, like he, it's like somebody just stabbed him with a hot poker. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Bam Bam brings him inside the ring and he pins him, right? And you think this is over, that Bam Bam is now the, the king of the ring. And here comes fucking Earl Hebner running down the ring, says, no. And I'm like, at the back of my mind, I was like, I know who wins. But at the same time, I'm like... Oh, they got to make it dramatic. They got to make sure the, that Brett doesn't get screwed because he's going to get screwed by Earl down the road anyway, which is pretty much good foreshadowing if you think about it. <laughs> um, Earl is saying no, you know, because of the, the Luna chair shot, which, like, 
sometimes I don't get wrestling, but I understand why they do it sometimes so that they can make certain people look strong and not. But why does like a referee decide that this time I'm going to say something that happens cheating this way? Then other times you don't hear refs. Are we supposed to kayfabe that the ref didn't see it at that time? <laughs> yeah, I guess what they're going for here is I'm not sure if this was Dave or Earl Hebner, mm-hmm. which were like fucking twins or something. Uh, but like, they're I'm pretty sure they're a senior referee at this point, and uh, the way I took it was this is the king of the ring. This is the first king of the ring. This is a big deal. We can't have the match in this way. So he came out because he, he saw it. He happened to watch. He, maybe he was watching the feed back there, and he said, listen, you got to start it over because there was interference. We can't have it in this way. Mm-hmm. Brother. That's how I took it. And then we had um, that belly-to-belly counter for the win. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, what do you have to say about it? If I know, oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, like... I wrote a lot of notes for this match, but I'm not going to go over all of it. Uh, mm. just cause that's what I always do. Usually <laughs> I write more than what I actually say. <laughs> um, like there was a lot of great spots to this match. Like uh, there was like, Bam Bam presses Brett outside of the ring onto the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck, that's a big drop. <laughs> Some people take that, that uh, spot though. Like, who the fuck did Vader do that to? He did that to somebody recently. Maybe it was Sting. That or Cactus. <laughs> it might have been. No, I think it was Cactus, actually. Uh, and yeah, Brett was selling it like he was dead. <laughs> like it's, it's like he just, it's like he fell from like a really high height and just collapsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Brett's eating these turnbuckles too. He's not eating, he's not eating them chest first, though. It's like he's hitting his back really hard and then just like falling forward like uh yeah uh what else did bam bam do that was really cool like a lot of this was just bam bam doing a bunch of cool shit uh that's where i think brett like they go outside and then like brett throws him in the railing Mm -hmm. that's where kind of the 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 momentum reverses a little bit that's when luna comes out and like like hits him with the chair taps him with the chair (laughs) it was more like a a light tap i mean it's like a girl swinging a chair i know she's a wrestler and everything but still Mm. (laughs) um i mean back then honestly for real though back then women wrestlers i don't think really ever used weapons that much either so they don't really have a lot of uh experience doing that kind of thing no attitude error is when the women started like taking kendo sticks and shit <laughs> yeah um yeah after that that's where like bam bam hits a body slam and he hits the headbutt and then he just gets three and it's still kind of shocking even though i know who's supposed to win mm-hmm. like, oh what like i didn't expect that to happen it's still registered with me yeah uh yeah they they continue after the decision reversal and then bam bam's doing bear hugs and he turns it into the backbreaker like the one where he Puts the guy over his shoulder. Usually a big guy does that move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brett gets out of this. This is cool. He gets, he wiggles out and does a big back suplex and like Bam Bam sells it like he got dumped on his head. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Uh, 
He tries to do the backbreaker again, but then Brett turns it to a sleeper, throws him off, and then Brett runs up and just drop kicks him in the back, and he's hanging over the ropes. And, like, Brett runs up from underneath him and, like, flips him over, and he causes Bamba to do, like, a front flip outside of the ring. I was like, oh, shit, that was crazy. That was a that was a pretty cool little spot. Um, and then Brett hits a dive, and it's, like, kind of unexpected because people didn't really dive out of the ring that much back then. Yeah. And he's, he's like, and he's wailing on him after he hits him. He's, like, he's just punching the shit out of his head. Uh, he, he starts hitting the moves, the rushing leg sweep, the elbow drop and stuff. And he, he goes to, actually, he goes to do the elbow drop, but Bam Bam recovers, and he just goes, fuck it, and he hits a bulldog from, like, the second rope. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, then this is, this is where the finisher sequence comes in. Like he got Brett tries to do that back suplex again, but then Bam Bam reverses it on him and fucking cross bodies him. <laughs> and that was two. And I was like, whoa, because that was a close near fall. Mm-hmm. He whips Brett in the corner. Brett kicks him in the face. He hops on the top rope, and gets on his shoulders, and he does the victory roll. The, the, what? And then like the thing where he roll forward and gets him in the pin. Mm-hmm. Big pop when he hit that pinfall, too. Yep. It was great. It was a Macho good. Man runs, Macho Man runs, runs in the ring and hugs him and shit. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Macho was like, Macho Man was pumped, dude. Like, he he was like, he threw his hat and shit, and he's like, this is a crazy match. Like, he kept on looking at Bobby and, and JR, and he's like, this is insane. And then, then when Brett, like, won, um, he, like, he looked genuinely, like, happy for Brett. So. Yeah, it was, it was great. I gave this a 9.1 out of 10 this match. <laughs> nice. Uh, I gave it an 8.2. Okay. Really really good match. Uh, like, a lot better than what I expected uh, from uh, him with Bam Bam. Now, crowning ceremony. So the Coronation. I, yeah. I, I like that Brett was like dazed after the win and they just had to like rush him to the the, the spot on the stage because he looked like oh, man i just fucking tired i i wrestled the whole fucking night and they're like escorting him to the thing um he's putting on all the the king gear and all that stuff and then jerry the king law comes out um says there's only one king and he's the only one king and then brett turns it around and says you're the Burger King <laughs> and everybody's chanting Burger King at him. Uh this pissed him off bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like after he calls like what's he say? He's he tells him yeah, he calls him the fake king and then he's like, I'm the only real king here, but I'll let you be a prince if you kiss my feet. Mm-hmm. And that's what Brett calls him a Burger King. And he's Lawler fucking beams him with that damn scepter. And just pelts him and beats him with like everything on that stage. Or Mean Gene almost died. He almost fell off that stage. Did you that see made, that? That made it look good though. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is chaos is crazy. Like this Jerry Lawler guy is fucking crazy. Jerry fucking took that chair and like threw it at Bret Hart, and I was like, "Well, he threw two chairs. He threw the the throne." And then he also threw the fucking stool that was there. And I was like, God damn it, it looks like it hurts. The, ch- the, the fucking big plush chair was the one that looked like it might have hurt. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Brett was kind of hunched over. Like he wasn't laying on the floor flat. 
And when he hit him with that chair, it like bounced off of his back and he's like, blood, he, he flattened out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it didn't hurt that bad, but uh, yeah, that he beats Brett's ass and ruins his coronation basically. Yeah. I liked yeah. it. It it had a happy ending, but then automatically went to a fucking holy shit. It went, went to an angle. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, uh, and then it ends. It's over. That 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 was the end. <laughs> I wrote strong pay per view. Um, definitely the downs is uh, Hulk Hogan, um, the tag match. And I'm trying to think what else brought it down. That's about it, I think. Um, wait, this what was a six three here? Oh, the Mister Hughes and Mister Perfect match I thought was kind of not good, um, but it, the really really strong pay per view. Uh, the chemistry of the commentating and the matches with Great Bret Hart is amazing. I gave it an eight point nine out of ten. Uh, yeah, I said it was a great show. For once, the right call was made and not have the world title match close the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at first, when I saw this this whole bracket, I, I was questioning them, like, why wouldn't they position Mr. Perfect and Brett to be in the finals? Because uh, that would just seem like, oh, they're having the rematch from SummerSlam and they're fucking... Like, Mr. Perfect's still sore about losing. And they know these two could have, like, a really amazing match together. Mm-hmm. Then after I saw the whole thing play out, I was fine with it. And they made the right call on that, too. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, the, the story they were telling here was, like, Bret Hart is tough as shit, and he will find a way to win no matter what. That's that's what they did here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the commentary was great, like you were saying. And this pay-per-view, I would say, is like a career-defining night for Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. This, this helps to like solidify him more, I think, as a main event level guy. As a draw, too. Yeah, yeah for sure. It, it shows that he's tough because he took a lot of punishment in one night, especially from like some good wrestlers. And he had injuries, and he fought through them and won. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess a 6.9 out of 10. Okay. Very good. Very good pay per view. I was very generous. I was highly enjoying uh, this pay per view. You so. enjoyed it a lot more than me. This might be though because uh, I'm like more familiar with like Bret Hart's matches and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like these were really good. These were really good Bret Hart matches. But I've seen matches that, in my opinion, are better than these. Oh yeah, like Austin versus Bret. That's my favorite match of all time. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. it it is um but and there's some other like the Shawn Michaels Brad Iron Man match yep and there's 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 so many there's so many great Bret Hart matches besides these that's but that that's a compliment though to like say like I could honestly say he's probably one of the few guys that you could legitimately say that they never had a bad match Mm mm-hmm I see the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. So, my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, and it's time for Monday Night Raw. Raw. June fourteenth, nineteen ninety-three. 
we get that Yoko recap of what happened at uh, King of the Ring. Uh, and then we learned in promo or the interview that there's going to be a 4th of July celebration. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go into deep t- detail uh, unless you want to. Uh, uh, I can't really because, again, it's like Mr. Fuji's talking about. Like, I got the gist of what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're going to do something on 4th of July. And Mean Gene was really offended by this because it's like, oh, you're, you're like desecrating America because you're doing this. It's like, are they? I mean, I guess that he's being like a troll about it, but I don't know about desecrating America. Like, what the fuck? They could have went to Japan and just stole the title over there. Yeah. And then there really be <laughs> war. Anyway, Yoko again, while they're talking, goes, Hulkamania is dead. <laughs> I love that. I love how he just, Yoko doesn't say anything, and he just stares straight at the camera the whole time, and then he'll say, like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Or Bonsai, or he'll just maybe <laughs> is dead, or somebody's gonna die. <laughs> yep, it's great, brother. That was a great intro. <laughs> we go into our first match, Mister Perfect versus L.A. Gore. Fucking L.A. Gore. This match exposed L.A. Gore. Because, mm. <laughs> like, the first time I saw L.A. Gore, I don't remember who he had his his first match with on Raw. But I remember it. I think it's because he got no offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I was like, oh, this guy's not very good. <laughs> he got like tiny offense, like not enough offense for me to like review it or give it a score. Um, but they were doing the whole, the whole, like Mr. Perfect is fast. Like they, they milked that into this one where he's like going off the ropes and stuff. You got the perfect chops. Then you had. The drop kicks that were happening, and then Ellie Gore had some offense in there. Nothing really notable. Um, oh, it was notable to me. Oh, go ahead and <laughs> okay. So, like, I think he gets like drop kicked or some shit out of the ring, and then he gets back in there and he starts somehow he gets advantage, and then he gets Mister Perfect in the corner and he starts hitting these like really shitty chops. They're not good. <laughs> There's some of the worst chops I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, at least the, the knife edge style. I mean, honestly, you can't fuck up the overhand unless you're just a slow piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his punches didn't look good either. They just looked like shitty, fake punches. And then <laughs> Mr. Perfect, like, just takes over, throws him in the corner, and then shows him how to do a fucking chop a couple times. Yep. <laughs> And he hits like that knee lift and he uh, does the perfect plex and he, he wins. Squash. It was a squash. Bent interviews Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon comes out with a bag of cash. And, this is $10,000 on the bag. I thought yeah. that was a little... I don't think they should have done that. Mm-hmm. The bag should have been blank. Just be like, what's he got in the bag, brother? Like, they could have, like, speculated. Yeah. And, um... Raise Ramon getting heckled by the crowd. One, two, three. One, two, three. And Vince is like, so, you know, what's going on, pal? <laughs> what's going on? Dude? I love, I really like asshole stir the pot troll interviewer Vince. Mm-hmm. He's really good at that. He's better at that than VG is, I think. Because <laughs> he's like, at first he, it comes off like he's just doing a, a genuine interview. 
And then he'll just say something that you know is going to strike a nerve. Like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he t- he asks him, like, what's it like like to hear these one, two, three, ki- one, two, three chants? You must hear it in your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just tells he tells him, like, ha, ha, ha. Like, he plays it off like he did last time. Like Vince McMang. McMang. <laughs> and then he's like, stick mang. <laughs> I call him stick mang. And he's like, I got right here $10,000, Chico. And he's like, you talk about your family? Don't do this for your family, man. Do it for yourself. <laughs> you could use this money to buy a life. <laughs> I was like, he has no life? <laughs> he looks convinced. He's like, McMahon, you could get that personality transplant, too. <laughs> and Vince was like, oh, he got me. He roasted me. <laughs> That was kind of the gist of it, really. It was it was fun though. Yeah, and then he walks out, and people chanting one, two, three. Then we had a King of the Ring resale. Pretty much an ad, be like, "Hey, this is cool shit has happened. Go watch it if you didn't." Should have. Yep. Then this match, I I don't understand. Doink the Clown versus Marty Jannetty. It was a little odd, but. I, I actually thought it was pretty good up to a point. Yeah. Um, so one doink comes out with no jacket, goes under the ring, and... He's drinking a Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? And they're like, oh my god, what's happening? We're And, you know, Bobby Haynes like, oh, it's just an illusion, doing the whole, you know, gig. Uh, and then comes out fucking doink with a jacket, and Vince's like, hey, he didn't have that jacket when he came out. <laughs> And yeah, they're like kind of wise to the act a little bit, and then Doink like squirts him with the flower. Mm-hmm. Pisses Vince off. He's like, "Hey, he squirted us with that liquid." But Bobby Heenan wanted to get squirted on. Yeah, what the hell? He wanted it. like I think he did at first, and then he actually did get squirted, and he was like, "Ha ha ha!" Like he was doing like real fake laughing. <laughs> uh, Marty Gennetti comes running out like he's still part of the Rockers. Um, doing the same thing, shaking people's hands, doing the head wave and the finger head thing. As you, yeah, he comes out and then they're just going at it. Uh, by the way, back to like Doink the squirting. Like Macho Man was pissed. I thought fucking Macho Man was gonna fight Doink the Clown. I thought so too. Kind of look like you're doing Dusty Rhodes when he's boogie woogieing. I like how like. He ran up. It's like Marty didn't want to fuck around. Mm. He just wanted to like get Doink. And he was like trying to grab him and drag him through the, like the ropes, and then it didn't work because Doink just kicked him in the fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> here's what uh, I, here's what I wrote down. I I this is what my brain sees when matches are just like put together like this. I go Marty Bulldog Doink does tackles. <laughs> Marty working the ground. And then I wrote, Vince does like saying what a maneuver when he doesn't know what that maneuver is. <laughs> he also likes shooting the half. He really likes to say that. Yeah. Uh, Marty does cross bodies. Doink has a fucking sick power slam. Then Doink is slapping Marty. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and then I wrote, what the hell did Doink do on the top rope? <laughs> Oh, the whoopee cushion. Yeah. You know, he jumped up in the air and just landed on him with his ass? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the whoopee cushion. They don't call it that yet, but that's what that is. I was like, that's uh, that's weird. And I like the doink neckbreaker submission then goes into a neckbreaker. Yeah, that was cool. I've never seen anybody do that, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say in the beginning, the whole Marty portion, and this might be because I'm biased about Marty, but I just didn't care for it. I was like, oh, it's just Marty being taking that rocker rocker's energy and you know going with the flow and then doink just says fuck this and i'm just gonna do all these cool moves and make them look like shit <laughs> kind of did yeah a little mm. bit like marty's in-ring wrestling is pretty good and it's like he knows how to set up a comeback and and it gets the crowd like the crowd goes with it usually mm-hmm uh, like, and he he's got some pretty decent offense too. Like, just stuff you don't really expect. Like Marty did like a top rope. He jumped off the top rope and did a face buster in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You don't really see people do something like that that much at all. Uh, what else do you, he's doing? He's really he got a really good arm drag and drop kicks. He's really good at that. Yeah. Uh, and just good classic smaller baby face offense like that. Uh, Doik does that thing where like sometimes he'll grab the tights and just shoot them through the ropes or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he got, he, I think he hits a good suplex, back suplex. That's when he hits the whoopee cushion, does the neck breaker you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, then this one, Marty starts coming back after getting a bunch of heat on him. He just he hits a flying forearm and he does a bunch of moves. He does a drop kick, a suplex, and he gets two, and then Doink tries to suplex Marty out of the ring, and they it's like they did the same spot Brett and uh, friggin' Perfect did, mm-hmm. and uh, they start slugging each other for a little while. And this this is like where I don't know what the fuck Marty thought about this, but this made no fucking sense to me. <laughs> Like, the psychology just broke down. They're out on the floor, and they're, like, punching each other. And then Marty gets doink, and he does an atomic drop on the floor. <laughs> Why would you do that move out on the floor? Like, I don't know. It doesn't make any... And then he, he super kicks him, which is fine, because that's just, like, a strike, whatever. <laughs> and then he charges him, and he does a Hurricane Rana on the floor, and he starts punching him. I'm just like, that made no fucking sense at all, that whole sequence. It's mm-hmm. like, he just like, I'm going to do this move and this move and this move because this is what I usually do. And then I guess Matt Bourne was just like, okay, brother, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they both got counted out. That that was the finish because they kept fighting. It's like Marty was really pissed off at Doink for some reason. What was the point of this match? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's like it seemed like Marty was like abnormally pissed off at Doink. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was something happened on like Superstars, and we didn't see it because we don't watch that. But they didn't say that. Usually, they're pretty good about telling us about that. Yeah, and even showing us footage. <laughs> uh, weird finish, but I think I would have put Doink over. I don't know. Yeah, I gave it a six point four. I gave it a six point five. Um. Match was great. Ending was kind of screwy. Um, Doink, every time he wrestles, I get more impressed on what he does in the in the match than the other competitor. Matt Bourne, the original Doink, was like the best one, I mm. think. 
Yeah. We had another King of the Ring recap again. Just say about that. Let's yeah. talk about the shit that happened on pay per view. Yeah. Then we uh, move on. You said that we we're going to be getting more Owen Hart soon. Um, starting up here. Yeah. So we have Owen Hart versus Dan Dubrel. Dubell. Dubell, I think. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I fucking love his the Owen Hart's theme, man. That fucking. It's like a asshole take on the the Hitman theme done in a print style mm-hmm. it's just it, it fits his personality though and owen's still wearing the high energy shit though he, he's got like the parachute pants and the fucking suspenders he just looks weird like that um he looks like he's trying out for like the flintstones movie he was in that tag team with coco beware mm-hmm. but like we haven't seen coco beware on any WWF TV since like the early Raws, like the first month. Yeah. It's like the last time we saw him, I think. <laughs> so like I don't I don't I think though I'll get into this a little bit here. Uh they're planting the seeds here for Owen to turn heel. Mm-hmm. He's been presented as nothing but babyface so far. It's really subtle shit. I'm not sure about it. It could just be me projecting, but that that's the the impression I got. Mm-hmm. What about you? There was point points in the match where I was just like, oh, it's kind of a little heelish a little bit. He's kind of aggressive. Most heels sometimes are not very aggressive unless, like, they're having to get back into the match. Owen Hart, on how he was, you know, going against Dan Bell, is that it was very aggressive. Like, too aggressive that it could go into heel territory. Um... He was doing the shit like he knew he could out wrestle this guy. Yeah, he was, and he was putting people in like positions and holds where it would like fuck them up. But it was like that kind of heel shit. And he was slapping as well. Um, he did a little bit of that too. Yeah, my my favorite part is the awkward one two three kid phone interview that's happening during this match. Where I'm kind of like, come on, I want to see Owen Hart like talk about the match, not. It was okay. In my opinion, that was okay because it's like, I think this is just a match to reintroduce Owen right now. Mm -hmm. And over time, they're going to build him up to uh, that Survivor Series uh, pay-per-view is what they're doing. Yeah, but they're trying to to sell the Razor thing. Uh, Vince is telling him about the 10 grand, asking him about, you know, how's Japan, kid? And like, did you hear Yoko... uh, Yoko win? He's like, oh, he he won? Oh, yeah, I saw yeah, the I, pictures and stuff. I heard everybody... I couldn't read anything, though. Like, everybody said, Yokozuna, Yokozuna. I honestly, like, really like how awkward it was. It was perfect. Because, like, one, two, three kid, that's the way they're presenting him. It's just this, this fucking kid who was, like, a jobber mm-hmm. won. And then, like... <laughs> and it's, like, his career t- shot off after that win, and he went to go wrestle in Japan. And he's just like, golly, I don't know where I'm at. Or it's it's kind of how it comes off, and it's honestly kind of perfect. Yeah. While that's happening, um, it kind of, like, ends. I think, does the phone interview pretty much end at the same time as the match? It's a little bit before. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a, another minute or so, I think. Yeah, that's when the Northern Lights was hit, and then that's when Vince said, what a maneuver, and to a pen. 
Yeah, like the 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 more in depth stuff I have to say about what Owen was doing is like uh, I like how he he started to patch off of the hammerlock and that guy started crying. <laughs> he was like, oh, oh, it's he was just like in this horrible pain. And and then yeah, there's a spot where Owen slapped him. Now that guy pushed him, but typically a baby face will just push back or something, and that guy will just fly backwards and be like, what the fuck. Like he got overpowered. Owen just slapped the fucking taste out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, while the match is going on, like, Owen's showing off what he can do against this guy, basically. And I noticed, like, when he's doing holes, like, he's doing arm bars and shit, he's like, yeah! And it's like he's trying to do babyface shit, but it, like, seems, like, kind of fake. Yeah. Like, it's it's not working. And, it's just, and I'm like, it, it's cut. I don't know if he that's on purpose or because to me, I always thought Owen comes off as like a natural heel. Mm -hmm. He has like, apparently he was just a great guy in real life. And that's typically, that's how that is. Usually really good heels are like the best guy you ever meet in real life. Yeah. (laughs) But like he, he has the, the face. He just has like an asshole face and he has that voice. That, that fucking, uh, my brother Brad is such an asshole. All he does is hold me down. <laughs> well, enough is enough. <laughs> I can't wait for that to happen, by the way. Oh, when he starts doing the promos and when he says the epic line, when he kicked my, um, I kicked his leg out of his leg. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that up. And he just kept going. It didn't even matter. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, and his facial expressions and shit were just kind of heelish sometimes. But, like, the, the finish was he hits a big missile drop kick, which he always had a really good one. Mm-hmm. Northern Lights for three. And I was like, oh, I can't remember the last time I've ever seen that happen. Yeah. <laughs> squash. Yeah, the squash. And we got the fucking another recap of the WWF superstars again, showing the earned thing. And I. At yeah. first I was confused because I think I went to go get a drink and then I came back and then I was like, we're on superstars. I'm like, what happened? Dude? Are they like, and then I realized, oh, this is the footage they showed us on King of the Ring. Mm. And then it goes back to commentators talking about Undertaker and how he's on the WWF magazine, which I was like trying to look on eBay to see if anybody had it, but I didn't see any. Dude, you thought the same thing I did. Mm. You're like, because I never got a WWF magazine back in the day. I don't know if you did. I believe at the point uh, when Mankind won the belt is when I started getting WWF magazine. I started, th- I was like, man, there were several times where I wanted a WWF magazine and I just couldn't get it. Just, I, I never found it anywhere or anything. I got uh, I got it for the Lita and Trish pictures inside of it. So, Of course. Mm-hmm. That's around that time, though. Yep. <laughs> But, uh, like, yeah, I was like, man, I kind of want to see if I can find some of these, like, maybe and not pay an arm and a leg for it or something. I need to go to fucking garage sales and see if there, someone has it. <laughs> I think it's weird because, like, collecting shit for wrestling is kind of odd. Like, a lot of memorabilia can be a lot of money depending on what it is. But magazines is, like, kind of a gray area, I think. Mm-hmm. My, I, I don't know. I'll look into it later. I, I I got curious about it after seeing it. Yeah. Um. 
Can we get Jerry Lawler against Mark Thomas? My favorite part out of this whole thing is like when Jerry the King Lawler comes out, everybody's chanting Burger King. Bobby Heenan just goes, I'm protesting, I'm leaving. <laughs> and he was offended by the Burger King chant, he left. Yeah. And <laughs> I I don't think Jerry the King Lawler like caught what was happening because he like started yelling at Bobby Heenan. He's like, Bobby Heenan's like, I agree with you. I'm I'm leaving, I'm leaving. <laughs> and he walks away. Uh, and still, I I don't. Are we ever getting Jerry versus Macho Man? Is that ever happening? Because again, he pointed the finger at Macho Man. I think it might later. I, I think it's it's going to happen. This has just been like this real slow burn to integrate Jerry Lawler into WWF programming. I think mm-hmm. apparently he's a commentator on Superstars. It's just we don't watch it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like how. Jerry Lawler comes out and everybody's like chanting at him, booing him, and he just looks fucking disgusted with everybody. Mm-hmm. He has like that, that fucking facial expression. And then like I caught what he was doing immediately before like the commentator started saying it. He's like, he's wearing Bret Hart's collars. I'm like, he's coming out wearing pink. That's fucking awesome. That's that's cool. <laughs> uh he he gets a mic or some shit and he's like, all you idiots better stop calling me Burger King or I'll shove I'll shove my fist down your throats. <laughs> Like how he just calls fans idiots. He doesn't. He's, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this, he's fighting a jobber though. This Mark Thomas dude. We've seen him before. I think hey, he's just kind of flailing him around, like punching him, and then like having his feet on his boots on top of him, and then finally hits it with the like the notable thing to say is that he hits that pile driver, and I love the pile driver, even when the jobber is getting hit with it. He also hit a DDT at some point, and mm. I've never seen Jerry Lawler do a DDT, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me either. Uh, he's got a really nice backdrop, too. He does it a different way from a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. It's like he does it, you know how guys usually, they tilt their head down and lift them up with over their head and their shoulders? Yeah. He'll lean over sideways and flip you over with his arm and one shoulder, and it's like this really smooth motion. Mm-hmm. Like kind of interesting. He's like the only guy I've ever seen really do it like that, though. Uh, he's acting like such a huge dick during this match, though. Mm-hmm. Like he put the boot on his throat, and he's doing like a double bicep at everybody, <laughs> and it's like the thing about this is like the crowd loves hating Lawler, mm-hmm. but he's in control of them the whole time. Yeah, he's fe- he's feeding into it. Like when they when they fucking chant Burger King at him, he gets pissed. He like looks at him and says, "Hey, you shut up!" And he acts like an asshole. They just it's like a it's like a cycle. It's I like how Jerry has always done heel shit, where it's like he knows how to rile up a crowd, even when he's like, even when he was uncommentating. Like, every time he had to get into the ring and he had to say something, he would always say something that was, like, obviously sexist and, like, uh, you know, very heelish. But he would always get the crowd a boo. Um, and the during when he came into the WWF in the 90s, boy, did he go hard, dude. <laughs> you don't have some shit you can't say on TV now. Yeah. Oh, my God. The whole, like... Oh. 
fucking McDonald's thing with the trash cans the other time. Uh, he said that shit. That was great. That was fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, this is going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I, I need to do this, and I think about it all the time, and I don't. I want to see some of Jerry Lawler like before he comes to WWF. Mm. Like we're you know he primarily spent a lot of his time wrestling in Memphis. But I always hear stories about like the crazy matches he, he had and like how some of that shit they did was almost like ECW before ECW. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of wish the territories were still a thing today. Oh, I think that it could be in a way. It's just that nobody is smart enough and has enough money to be able to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it would be that way again through independence. But it's like most independents nowadays, they can't get out of like one city or like a tri-state area or something. That's like the best they can do. <laughs> um, Obviously, this is a squash. But uh, at the end of the show, before we, we rate the show, um, we're getting another Doink versus Marty Gennardi two out of three fall match. And I wrote, Why? <laughs> Because he was so mad. He's mad at he's mad at a clown. Because he's a clown. <laughs> I feel like yeah, I feel like we're missing something. Yeah, I, I think we need to check to see what's happening in the other shows to see why this is a big deal. Um then obviously we get the advertisement that Razor Ramon versus one two three kid because he accepted the match for ten K. So stipulation, I don't know if it was said by Razor, does he need to say yes for the 10K, get paid the 10K to have the match, or does he need to win the 10K? He needs to agree to have the match. Because he told him, you don't even have to beat me. You just have to say you you agree to have this match with me. Shit, I'd fucking take a Razor's fucking edge for 10 grand. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. It's kind of dangerous, I, I guess. But that's a lot of money. It's hard to pass up. So that's that's what happened. He got offered enough money to risk it. That's that's a deal. That's a deal <laughs> and a half right there. Um, overall, um, it was an okay raw. I wouldn't say it was amazing compared to the other, but I do like that they're starting to build storylines, um, especially with Jerry the King coming out with the pink. Um, we're getting storylines about the urn and Mister Hughes a little bit. Um, Doink kind of fell through for me. That's why we need to research that. Um, I like how they're building Mr. Perfect. I kind of feel like we're going to get another... Are we going to get another Bret Hart Perfect match, you think? I don't know. Uh, I know he... I think they revisit that feud. They seem to start with him and Sean, and it kind of like went off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Put on the back burner, because I know they have a match at SummerSlam. Um, I don't know. At some point, Mr. Perfect he injures his back again. I want to say it's maybe the end of this year or sometime next year. And he, he ends up having to be like a manager and a commentator again for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure exactly how much, how much time he's got left before he has to be inactive for a little bit. And then we're, you know, getting the beginning of Bone Heart. We're getting that build up. So 
the future looks good, but for, t- for today's Raw, I gave it a 6.3 out of 10. Yeah. I said decent show, a little lame. The only match substance ended with a double count out. It was like this. It To me, it was a cold match. I was like, I don't understand why they're, Marty's so pissed off at Doink. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take Marty and Doink over Crush and Doink any day. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really need the superstar recap, but I get why they had to do it. It was in case nobody saw King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It was cool to see Owen, finally. <laughs> yes. I gave it 6.1 out of 10. Also, I'm looking forward to next Raw, just based off of the buildup. <laughs> Me too. I'm actually excited for more uh, WWF. Uh, but next next episode, and getting some color, we're going to have double the shot of WCW this time. Because we have a pay-per-view clash of champions. And we have WCW Saturday night. Uh, one is June 16th, 1993 for Clash of Champions. And uh, which, by the way, Wednesday pay-per-view. It's weird. Um, well, it was, actually, it was a, a special on TBS. Oh, okay. Makes sense now. Yeah, that's what Clash of Champions always was. Okay. And uh, June 19th, 1993 is WCW Saturday Night. Will they get better? I don't know. Um, maybe Clash of Champions might be good because it's special, but like WCW Saturday Night, I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> That's what I'm scared of is like the Clash will actually be pretty good. And then like the Saturday Night's just like blobs. Well, we just came off of this big show, so just jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, fuck. Yeah. But yeah, remember to watch those and then come back here and we'll talk about it. Um, I think we're going to end the show here unless you have any final words. Uh, Nope. Uh, Just stay tuned for week after next and we'll be back with those WCW shows. Yes, indeed. And if you want to watch or listen to more Getting Some Color, make sure you go on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, every podcast uh, thing out there we're also on youtube um if you look for getting some color we're there uh make sure you like and subscribe um but i think we'll end it here everybody remember to get some color and we will see you in the next episode that's right freak out peace freak out